Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Caden McFarland, the sports director at Channel 2 in Tulsa, the NBC affiliate. We'll get his thoughts on the college football season. Is it going to happen? Is it not? What's it going to look like if we do have a college football season? We'll get his insights, go inside the Big 12 Conference with Caden. Also going to talk about the NBA restart with him in particular with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Get his insights when he joins us coming up later on in the program. Joining me, as always, is Thomas Bridges. And, Tom, I uh, hope you had a good week, my friend. What's going on? Oh, you know, just uh, still living life halfway in quarantine, I guess you could say. Uh, you know, same. I feel like it's been, in, in, in a way that friend of the show, Mig, puts, uh, I feel like I wake up every day and it's still March 17th. Right. It feels like we have not moved past that Big 12 tournament, that this world that we lived in is, is so different, uh, comparatively speaking, to just a few months ago, and I'm so ready for this to end. Tom, I've adapted accordingly. I'm wearing the mask in public. Uh, you know, I've been doing that for a while, uh, doing the social distancing and all that, uh, but I don't know if I can put up with any more. I can do with those things and do them for a little while longer, but this vaccine cannot get here soon enough, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it, and to you know, a de- very depressing part of that that I kind of realized through a series of tweets I read, and you know, take it for what you will, but uh, you know, Nurse Mig and Sister Nurse also have kind of said or mentioned the same things that you know people are getting this you know they're getting covid and then not becoming fully immune to it and so i don't i I, you know i'm not the you know i'm not a professional or what have you on viruses or immunity but the likelihood that you know the vaccine will 100 percent protect you from getting it i don't i don't know what they've got in the works but i don't know if it will you know protect you 100 percent. it would be a start though it would be better than what we have right now uh jones vaccine comes through are you getting it as soon as it comes out or are you gonna wait uh maybe two weeks to see what the vaccine does to people i'm gonna wait a bit probably at least a month and the way i'm looking at this tom is I highly doubt the vaccine, when it is available, is not going to be available to everybody. It's going to be a select few of some sorts. The The elites of society of some sorts probably will have access to it first. But I'll wait, let them be the guinea pigs, and then eventually I'll get the uh, vaccine. And then we'll all have a chip inside of us from Bill Gates, right? <laughs> right, right, something like that. That or, uh, you know, who... Who knows the adverse reactions? Kind of like when a new iOS update comes out for your phone. I usually wait before I get it because have you ever got you know updated your phone and then there's some bug and you're like, why did I even update this? This makes my phone phone run slower or right. it's messing it up. And then like two or three days go by and then they fix the bugs and you're like, oh, okay, well this is a lot better. Right. And so I feel like that. You know, in, in my analogy-making world that I'm so accustomed to, maybe that is how the vaccine will go. I don't know. Maybe it comes out with no issues. Uh, we can only hope because, uh, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, 
college football season is riding on it, and it's you know probably not going to get here before then. Right. Speaking of which, uh, the college football season, that's where we want to start on today's show. And we are one month away from the college football season of what is the scheduled start date as uh, we're recording this here on the 31st of August, uh, or of July, rather. And August 28th, which is four weeks from today, is uh, the first weekend of games are supposed to occur, week zero in college football. Uh, That includes Oklahoma and Kansas now, as uh, Oklahoma uh, moved up their Missouri State game, and KU replaced their matchup with New Hampshire uh, with Southern Illinois to be played on Saturday the 29th for both those games there. Now, will they actually happen? That remains to be seen. The Big 12 is the only conference at the time we're recording this that has not canceled their non-conference schedule yet. What we've seen is that the SEC is going with a complete conference schedule, uh, as well as the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And the ACC has said they're going with a complete conference schedule, but they're allowing Notre Dame in their conference for the year. And Notre Dame's going to compete for the Pac- for the uh, ACC championship and everything. Um, and they're allowing their members to play one non-conference game against a team that's within their own state. So in theory, you could have Clemson play South Carolina, except South Carolina is not playing non-conference games, but you kind of get the idea. If you can find somebody in your state that's playing non-conference games, you can play them. Otherwise, it's a conference schedule. The Big 12 has not announced anything yet. They've been very patient on this, waiting to see the direction this goes Uh, But I would fully expect the Big 12 to follow suit with the other leagues now and play a schedule that is exclusive to a conference schedule. And in the Big 12 circumstance, we've talked about this before, Tom, that the Big 12, I think, is in a pretty decent position compared to some of the other conferences in that other than West Virginia, everybody is within driving range of some sorts. Um, and I know all these teams have their private planes and stuff like that, but maybe you want to socially distance and so you can't put everybody on the private jet like you'd normally like to. Maybe it requires some bus trips of sorts. But you can have uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Baylor, TCU, uh, Texas, You know all these different schools, Texas Tech, you name it, really other than West Virginia or within a day trip. Of each other now, maybe not like Texas Tech to Iowa State, but there's a lot of games that you could make a day trip of sorts, and so that makes it a lot easier on travel. And then also, you got to think with the college football schedule too. The road games, unlike these other sports, the MLB is going through all the problems they're facing right now. The MLB is traveling once or twice a week. Um, the college football scene, and the same can be said for the NFL, you're talking about, what, six, seven road games a year? The rest of it would be in-house and in-house training on that front, uh, playing those home games. So I think that college football can make this work. I think the Big 12 is in a decent position, comparatively speaking, to the other leagues. And, you know, maybe the schedule works out where because you have 10 members and you want to play at least 10 games, maybe the Big 12 allows where everybody could play everybody in the Big 12 like they normally do, 
in a non-conference game against a non-Power 5 team within reasonable driving range. Maybe Oklahoma still gets to play Missouri State. Maybe Oklahoma State could pick up a team like you know, Texas State or UTSA or University of Tulsa or something like that. Um, I think there's ways around this that this can be done. But the other factor involved here, and the biggest factor of them all, is still this coronavirus testing. It's still these guys, you know, trying to have enough bodies to fill a team. And when you look at the professional sports scene, it's one thing of those guys that are getting a paycheck, that that's their job to be there, that, you know, through TV rights and all that, we're paying them to be there to perform, right? Um, when it comes to college football, these guys are still students. They're not getting paid. Um, you know, there, there's I think there's still an uncomfort level about forcing kids to play in this circumstance um, that you have to take into mind. And having enough bodies to be able to play – well, the testing numbers have been good in college football the last couple of weeks of getting these guys cleared of coronavirus, of isolating these universities coming up with good plans. KU just announced the other day that they did not have a single positive case in their entire athletic department, um, which was great to see. Well, all that is good. Students aren't back on campus yet, and the students are coming to campus in colleges all across the country here in the upcoming days. And... You know, some of these universities are going to be less than a block away from that bar being open for dollar night on Thursday. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about, yes, things look okay now when it comes to testing, but, man, it, it only takes one to ruin it for everybody. And it's going to be a game changer when these students get back on campus. Thomas, I really hope there's a college football season. I'm not buying into the fear porn out there of, all these folks that are cheering against the college football season and, and sports not to happen, that's not where I'm at. But I'm realistic in this, too. I want college football to happen in one way, shape, or form. But I still have a lot of questions out there. I'm remaining hopeful, but I am uh, at a position where I'm very worried and concerned if, one, we're going to have a season, and if, two, if it's going to be in the spring. If it's in the spring, um, I don't see that happening either um if we're if our idea is to push this back to the spring then there better be a vaccine ready to go or something because uh with the second wave of covid that's coming here in the winter time combine that with flu season that sounds like it could be even worse than this wave we've been through right now so uh folks buckle in a bit be patient uh this college football season one way or the other uh whether we start it or if it gets interrupted, whatever it may be, this is going to be very unusual than anything we've ever seen before. Yeah, it is. And and you mentioned, you know, Big 12 picking up, uh, you know, maybe for like Oklahoma State, let's say, you know, a, a team from Texas, the UTSA, they've played recently. Uh, you know, OU and Missouri State are set to play. I, I see and I don't see why Oklahoma State, still couldn't play Tulsa. I mean, the drive from Stillwater to Tulsa or from Tulsa to Stillwater, that is. Well, let me, let me clarify something. Let me clarify something uh, real quick on that. Where they need to figure out is uh, is they have to say that University of Tulsa and Oklahoma State, let's use them as an example, they would have to agree on the same protocols that if Oklahoma State is going to test their players 
twice a week, then the University of Tulsa needs to agree to test their players twice a week and vice versa. That's where it has to be on the same page. That's why you're seeing these conferences work together because they all have the same agenda. They know exactly how they're handling this. Um, as far as getting Tulsa or some of these other schools, you would have to get them to agree. And I think that some of those smaller schools, Tom, would be so desperate for this game, they would try to do everything they can to follow your coronavirus protocols that you set out for them in order to still play that game. Right, right. That is the truth. I could see – so I could still see that happening. Uh, I mean, at this point, fans or no fans, I, I need college football. Uh, you know, the first year I decided, well, Tom, you, you you go to Stillwater all the time and you always, you know, procrastinate on buying a ticket to the last minute. You know, this is the first year I thought, yeah, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and buy a season ticket. Have my seat picked out. Uh, you know, it's on the OSU side. It's in a, in a, in a great section, great sight lines. I'm, you know, excited, ready for it. And then, boom, this happens. And I'm like, well, you know, you I don't know what to think anymore. I'm like, all right, maybe I disturbed the waters. Maybe I was, you know, set for buying a ticket uh, every Saturday morning instead of buying ahead of time. Maybe I disturbed the waters there too much. But with that being said, I I don't care how they have to do it, Jones. Uh, I mean, and I'm not just saying this for me. I, I think I speak for a lot of people that, that we need college ball. We do. One way or the other, we need college football to happen. Um, you know, I have no idea how you put on a college football playoff at this point, determine who the four best teams in the country are. Um, if no one's going to play non-conference games, how can you separate the uh, teams amongst each other? How can you come up with the top 25, Tom, uh, <laughs> rankings-wise? Man, it's just solely based on eye test, I guess. This is like – let's put this into perspective, folks. What we're about to see of this college football season, and I have to almost preface this every time with if it happens, um, <laughs> with the Power Five conferences, if they don't play any non-conference games, like things appear to be going that direction, then potentially this would be going back to what the old AFL and NFL days were when the Super Bowl was not that the leagues were one body, it was that it was a championship game between the two leagues and the two leagues had never faced each other all season long. That's kind of what we're looking at here. This is very old school. Uh, and, you know, it's it's big for the brands, the identities of these conferences, um, because it puts an emphasis that, you know, you're almost like a, a uh, your own football league of some sort. I know you're a conference, but it kind of separates you a bit. It, it There's a more sense of pride and urgency to be a part of the league that you're in, in a sense, Tom. I mean, this is, uh, if things go on as planned, this is going to be very bizarre. And then one of the fascinating points, and, and I'll bring this up with Caden because he's a Notre Dame fan himself, is looking at the ACC, Notre Dame is going to play one year in the ACC. And why they're doing this, as an independent, they're desperate to have teams to play them. Um, they need to fill up that schedule, right? And so Notre Dame is going to join the ACC this year, play the 10-game slate, and they're going to try to walk away with the ACC championship game and then go right back to being an independent again. They're, they're so desperate for games this year that Notre Dame is actually going to share 
all of their TV revenue with their Notre Dame package with the ACC um, because they were so desperate to find teams to play them. Tom, uh, wouldn't that be something if Notre Dame walks into the ACC, goes and takes the trophy? Now, obviously, Clemson's there. But if they find a way to win that trophy and then are just gone like that, uh, they'd be very savage of uh, of Notre Dame if they can pull that off. You know, I see. I hate that, and and I think Notre Dame. It's time to put up or shut up. You don't get to have your cake and eat it too. At this point, and that's a that's even a point I didn't even think about talking about until you brought up Notre Dame on today's show. Uh, how, how BS that is for Notre Dame just to get the waltz in and, and people cater to them like that. I I would have said, so you don't want to screw Notre Dame. It's like Jones when you you know you get on the highway. Here's another great analogy for you. Uh, in, in the Tom's analogy book here, you get on the highway, there's, you know, a traffic jam, someone got in a wreck and, and you get, you know, say it's in the right lane, you get in the left lane, you're all single file. Everyone's, you know, backed up traffic, just moving barely, just inching along. And then some asshole and some, you know, ex- super expensive car, you know, think of a decked out Lexus drives past you on the right-hand lane, all the way up to the front and thinks they can just cut on in. No. And then there's obviously someone that just says, okay, and lets them in. No, you don't let that person in. They can wait in line like everybody else. But they're so self-entitled, they think they can just not get in the left-hand lane and file you know, file single-handedly like everyone else. They think they can just drive up to the scene where you can't go any further and then just yeet on in. And that is Notre Dame, in a sense, here doing this. They shouldn't be able just to get the waltz in anything. Sure, let them play, but I think they should be exempt from being able to qualify for the ACC championship. <laughs> uh, That's well, my thought. Screw Notre Dame. Well, it's the, it's the ACC that wants those in. It's the ACC right, I mean, that, that has said that they want them in to be part of the ACC championship and everything like that. So. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. It's still, it just grinds my gears. I think it's it's one of those deals where they, they need each other. Uh, the ACC right. sees an opportunity to have Notre Dame involved, and Notre Dame s- says, you know, hey, we really need the games. Um, and so, you know, it, it's something that they need each other in the sense, uh, you know, as it far as that goes. It is mutually beneficial. Yeah, mutually beneficial would be uh, the right term uh, in that sense. But – uh, you know, looking at this uh, this season, in, in the Big 12's case, you play nine conference games. Let's say that you're only going to play conference games at this Missouri State game or the Tulsa game with Oklahoma State or all this stuff gets, you know, canceled, whatever, of what's already not been canceled. Um, are you really going to be satisfied to just play nine conference games? To me, there, there's got to be, you know, something, whether you play – another team twice or maybe uh, you allow everybody to play you know a, a regional uh, non-power five opponent of some sorts to me Tom uh, there, there's no way that if we go through with an entire regular season I would be satisfied with just nine regular season games in the big 12 if if KU has to play K-State twice so be it it was a unique year. You know that that's fine with me. I would be okay with uh, playing another team twice to have a ten-game schedule. I think you need to find a way to play at least ten games, one way or the other. 
Yeah, I, I think you do. And, you know, I'm at this point, I'm satisfied with any games being played. But I mean, if, if I had my, you know, choice, obviously, we want to play the non cons too. But at this point, you got to add at least one more game in there. I don't know if you just, you know, draw names out of a hat and whoever you pick is who you play twice. I don't know, you know, if you have to flip a quarter or, you know, how you, however you have to do it, put them in a random generator. And I, I don't know how that selection process would, would go. Um, but that would be very interesting to see if that was to shake out that way. If it, you know, obviously it would be a home and home type situation within the conference in a single season. Right. That would be uh, bizarre if uh, that happens, but uh, this season is going to be different no matter what, uh, with that being said. So when we get down to it, uh, when if we finish out this season and, and play these games, Tom, I am going to be very confused about how you pull off a playoff in this circumstance. Like, what do you do? Um, especially with you know p- five power conferences and four uh, you know, conference champions. And then not to mention, let's just say for all intents and purposes, and we've seen this before, what if the SEC people feel like, you know what, you know, Georgia, you know, Alabama may have gone undefeated, but Georgia lost by, you know, a field goal or something. They might be the second best team in the country. This is uh it's gonna be something else to try to figure out who the best teams are in college football. I- I'm gonna be very confused if we get through this season and then try to determine the four best teams in a subjective manner like this. Uh, I hope that if this is how it's going to be and we get through this way, can, can for all things, for all things that are holy, can we find a way to expand the playoff even just for one year? Because um, I feel like it'd just be so unfair if we have five conference champions that all have the same record and somebody gets left out. Um, you think the system's bad as is and isn't, isn't fair? Wait until that's the situation. Uh, there's got to be some way that we can work around this to, to expand the playoff or something if we're going to go about things this way. Yeah, it, it is. And it's, uh, you know, as, you know, Big 12 guys here, uh, you wonder what, what if at all, what, what will be the SEC bias at the end of this when it's, you know, conference? How many, if, if you know, they do – Let's say they don't extend the playoff. I mean, at, at this point in time, you would have to assume just based on conference strength alone that two SEC teams are going to take two spots. Uh, I mean, I, I think that should probably go without saying. And I, at this point, depending on how the conferences beat each other up uh, or if even if we get through the conference games without a stoppage, you would think probably the Pac-12 gets – left out of that and and it would be between the the big 12 the big 10 and the acc to fill the other two spots can you imagine uh, the, the argument to tom of let's say that an an undefeated or one loss pac 12 team gets left out and people say well the eye test i mean they didn't really look that impressive whatever you don't know how good that league is we didn't see a play anybody. I mean, literally. So exactly. To me, they're going to have to extend it. They, the, I mean, they would have to extend the the playoff. But if, I mean, if you thought that there was biases towards the SEC or maybe even the Big Ten, whatever it may be, this year the biases are going to be clear as day and very exposed of who's on what side. Yeah, you're going to see how the cookie crumbles, and you're going to get to see it with your own eyes. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's just how it's. 
I mean, we know that's coming. We, we, I know for a fact. If I can guarantee one thing out of all this, you know, not knowing what's going to happen, if I can guarantee one thing, it's two SEC teams in the playoff if we get that far this season. Now, Jones, little tangent, just just cluing in here. I was just thinking about this because you said, how are we going to have uh, playoff games, bowl games, things like that? Uh, and I was thinking about NCAA, the football game. Would you trade this college football season for a new NCAA game? Would I trade? Uh, now, here's here's a question for you. Um, is it do I get the continuation or just a one time game? Uh, let, let's say let's say both ways. Is it a yes? No. If it's not a continuation, just one off game that updates all the all the stadiums, all the jerseys. I wanted, uh, along with the the football playoff format, do you do you give it up? Do you give up this season? I wouldn't trade it game? off. I wouldn't trade it off for one game, but I would trade off this season for a continuation of the NCAA football series. I definitely would do that because um, this season, you know, this is going to be the year of one that is uh, not for the memory books by any means. It's already headed that direction of sorts. Um, you know, whether even if it is played as is, it's going to be so unusual, no fans and, you know, whatever it may be. You know, it's the throwaway year. But I wouldn't trade it for just one game of NCAA football. I would trade it for the continuation of the series, though. I think so. And, then, you know, I mean, that's been gaining traction, too. Uh, you know, over the summer, you know, you mentioned, are we going to even get a college football playoff? Or are we even going to get a season? Uh, they they did run the simulation of of who I forget who ended up winning it, um, but there there you go. Just start having teams. You know, find the best NCAA. Uh, you know, fourteen player that can uh, you know best matches up and just have one representative from each team play as their school with the updated rosters and let them have at it. I would. At this point, Jones, I'm so desperate for any sports, uh, and obviously we'll get to the NBA later. But I'm so desperate for any sports. I would, I would watch that on TV. It would be like the Madden tournament. I would, at this point, I, I'd watch anything like that. Yeah, I didn't really get into the the 2K tournaments they did a couple weeks ago on ESPN. No, I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah, um, the guy that won the Madden Bowl this past year, Tom, get this, um, you know, professional gamer and all. He played with Washington uh, as his uh, team, and he ran the option and had their punter, Tressway, former OU guy, as his quarterback running the option. And he and he, he won the Madden Bowl running option offense. With Washington, yes. What a time. So I'm going to have to go on YouTube and watch that. Right. So to me, that that tells me the system's flawed. I mean, it, that shouldn't happen. Right. I mean, I'm sure everybody else is not apt to stop an option in the Madden Bowl. I'm sure they're like, well, what is this? Right. Um, maybe that's maybe that's is that the new sports? I would hate for that to get to that. Right. Uh, but at this weird Jones, we are literally less than a month away. Uh, you know, OSU has not updated me just from a season ticket holder standpoint on anything as far as price of the season ticket going down, going up. I, I mean, could it go up 
if you get to be a select few that actually, you know, if they do get 25% of fans, do they let just the season ticket holders in at that point? How is that how this goes? Right. Uh, I mean, the season ticket holders anyway, I mean, I think this goes for, as far as this is a, for a fan perspective for, you know, across all college football, if they do let fans, I think Texas originally said they were thinking 50%. Now I think that's down to 25%. Uh, I mean, Daryl K. Royal holds 100,000, 110,000. So you're, you're thinking that's at least 25,000 people still. How many percentage of season ticket holders are over the age of 60 across the U S yeah. I would expect that to be a high number. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, KU reported this past week that they've had a budget shortfall of, uh, based on donors that have had to drop out and such with the economy and everything like that. Their budget right now is short about three to $5 million right now. Um, when it comes to donors. And so they're asking for donors to step up and, you know, kind of fill that gap and such like that. So uh, everybody's going through some tough times. Uh, no one is not being affected one way or the other uh, by this virus, uh, whether they get the virus or, uh, you know, whether it's their job or activities or something, everybody's being affected in some way, shape, or form. Uh, on the video game front, Tom, not to get too off track, but I, I, I thought I'd mention this. Um, do you remember the video game uh, ESPN NFL 2K5? I have it. I still have it. I would argue that's the greatest NFL game of all time, better than any version of Madden. I was pretty good. You could update your crib. I had uh, it was cool. They did it before it was even a thing. You know this new jersey trading uh, trends that you know you you play a team and then you're like, oh okay, well I gotta. You know, I want, let's say, the Chiefs play the Rams and, and Tyree Kill's a big fan of Aaron Donald and Aaron Donald's a big fan of Tyree Kill where they, you know, trade jerseys at the end and then they usually sign them and get them hung up in their house. 2K5, you could do that. You could have different player jerseys hung up in your house. Um, and, and, you know, now that trend, uh, you, I forget who, but there's several of them that will post the videos of their cribs and they just, you know, they have – uh, all these jerseys hung up on the wall like a collection. And so 2K5 was ahead of its time in that regard. Uh, and you could put, you know, dart. you could play darts. You could, uh, you know, there was maybe pool. Uh, I mean, you could play little mini games in your house, you know. Oh, yeah. And they had it. You could design it. It was like, a, uh, you know, you ever played Need for Speed where you can design your yeah. car pretty much? That was like what 2K5 was. That was way ahead of its time. I might have to bust the PlayStation 2 out, uh, or maybe it'll work in the PS3 if I can find it. I'm going to look for that as soon I as I love that it had uh, Chris Berman on there. Um, you know, there was so it many was cool things. was on the front cover, T.O.? T.O. was on the cover. cover. Yeah, it was his first year in Philly. That's right. Yeah, that was a good game. That was. I'm, I'm look. I'm gonna look for it as soon as we get off the show today. I'm looking for it. I might. That might be my Friday night plan. There we go. I like it. Caden McFarland set to join us coming up later on in the show, and uh, we will move on. And uh, I want to talk some NFL now with the uh, Chiefs, and among other things, uh, within the last week since we last uh, spoke to you all on the Jones Report, uh, the Chiefs have had a couple players opt out as they came up with an opt-out agreement, among other things, for testing protocols and all that for training camp to begin with the Chiefs. 
and uh, with the other teams in the NFL. And uh, one of the big things we talked about for you know a couple months on this program, Tom, and I talked about it on radio, among other things as well, was that the Chiefs were bringing back 20 of 22 starters and how big a deal that was for the Chiefs to not have to reteach their system to new guys involved that they could pick up from where they left off. Now you're only bringing back 18 of 22 starters. Still a very high number, but still less by two. Uh, LDT, the uh, Chiefs uh, starting uh, offensive guard, who is a medical doctor, um, he's been in his home country of Canada on the front lines battling COVID-19 and, uh, you know, just a terrific person, uh, doing a great job out there, really fighting for people, very selfless, uh, out there, uh, you know, putting it out, out all on the line. And it was interesting to hear from him that he said, look, if I'm going to be anywhere dealing with this coronavirus, I want to be out there, you know, helping people and, be on the front lines to help people throughout this circumstance. Incredible individual. Uh, LDT is the man. I salute him for it. Not only is this guy a Super Bowl champion, but he's also a great person, a great human being. And so, you know, I got to give him a lot of credit for, you know, stepping away from that money to go do that. That speaks a lot of volumes from him. And then Damian Williams, the Chiefs starting running back last year. He probably should have been Super Bowl MVP. He led the Chiefs in rushing in the regular season, had over 100 yards and two touchdowns in the Super Bowl, had some of the biggest plays in that game. was just terrific, the performance that uh, David Williams put together. And he was a good pickup for the Chiefs a couple of years back. If you recall, he spent some time in Miami, and uh, the Chiefs lost Kareem Hunt, uh, and they were looking for options. David Williams stepped up, and he was great for his price tag of uh, not making a whole lot of money. Uh, the Chiefs did a really good job to bring him in for what he cost. He cost him next to nothing. And he just signed an extension over the offseason for another one-year deal to remain in uh, Kansas City for this upcoming year. And turns out that his mom has uh, stage 4 cancer. And uh, he was raised by her, you know, single mom, and uh you know, he felt like that he owed it to her to be there for her. And so for both these guys, Tom, I'm looking at them and, you know, I, I get it for anybody that wants to opt out this season. If you don't feel comfortable playing because of the coronavirus and such, you know, maybe you have uh, a pre-existing condition of some sorts that you don't want to put yourself or, you know, a family member at risk or something like that by playing, totally get that. These guys – I applaud them so much. Uh, very selfless for stepping away from that money um, to go do that. They already have their Super Bowl rings. Go take care of family business. Go save some lives. Uh, credit where credit's due. I think the Chiefs are going to be just fine. They'll find ways to work around it. These, uh, Both these guys are replaceable in a sense. Uh, so credit where credit's due. Go out and go take care of business. Go help out your family. Go help out those in need throughout this time, and I think the Chiefs are going to be just fine. I, I salute these guys for uh, having the courage to do this and, and step away like this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and for the Chiefs, you said 20, 22 starters. Now it's 18. Uh, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you know, easily fills that hole. I mean, now, now for the Chiefs, now you think, okay, drafting Clyde just right off the bat even looks better now. 
Yeah. Uh, the the and, people and that now, hated it must be a big relief. Right. The people that hated that first round pick of using it on a running back. I mean, you could just shut the hell up now, right? They're, they're eat, yeah, they're eating crow now, and that's no slight on Damian Williams. I mean, at that, if you look at it, and, and here comes Tom with the, the Greg Popovich quote, you know, that life is bigger. He says life is bigger than basketball. Life is bigger than football. You know, Damian Williams can always come back and play football again, but you know, you only get one mom, uh, and so go spend some time with her. You know, battling stage four cancer. Even if it wasn't, even if we weren't in this COVID hellhole that we are in, if he wanted to just opt out, you know, just for that to go spend what time he has with his mom, you know, you know, prayers out to her that, you know, she can beat this. But, uh, you know, stage four is no joke. You you only get one mom. Go spend the time that you have with her uh, and and be there with her and be there for her. And you, like I said, you can always come back to football. Uh, obviously the COVID situation, if you were to get COVID and, uh, you know, someone with cancer, their immune system is, is not obviously great. Right. Um, and, and so that is obviously a big reason, but even if, like I said, even if we weren't in this COVID hell hole, uh, I, I still wouldn't blame him for opting out or walking away to, to spend time with his mom. You can always, their football will still be there for him. Uh, you, you hit it on the head. Should have, should have, could have, would have been uh, Super Bowl MVP. Uh, I mean, played outstanding, uh, even if it's not with the Chiefs. And I don't know how that works, Jones. You can enlighten me on that. Now that if he opts out, he still owes the Chiefs a year. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, your contract basically is on pause, essentially. Right. Um, and uh, these guys could come back to the team you know, next year, and and that's it. So, you know, I mean, there's still a place for them there on that, that, that squad, and and, uh, you know, this is essentially, you know, the risk they take of sorts here. So uh, kudos to them for stepping up like that. Not an easy decision, but uh, for being there for their loved ones first, for looking out for them uh, speaks volumes. Uh, that's terrific. Uh, other notable opt-outs, uh, New England has lost Patrick Chung, Dante Hightower, Brandon Bolden, Marcus Cannon, Danny Vital, and Najee uh, Tehran. Um, you know, that's six players. That's more than any other team. We, we already know, of course, about, you know, Gronk making his move to, uh, to Tampa to join Tom Brady and everything. Uh, they did not draft a quarterback. They didn't spend a whole lot of money on a quarterback. They got Cam on a very cheap contract. Tom, I, I don't know what these guys are going through. And, uh, you know, they, they may have very well good reasons to sit out this season. But I would be willing to guess that you probably wouldn't be having six players for the New England Patriots set out if Tom Brady was still in New England. I think people are fully aware with what's going on with the New England Patriots that this is a changing of a guard and that they're, they're about to start a rebuild right now. Um, I don't think this happens if, the Chief, if it's pretty clear the Patriots are contending for a Super Bowl. Yeah, not to mention Chung and Hightower pretty key staples on that defense, especially Hightower. Uh, I mean, if you remember back to the Patriots Rams Super Bowl, he was all over the field. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe for them, I think they're just like, well, uh, you know, it was a good run. Uh, we're not going to do shit this season anyway, so it's not worth risking it. Uh, almost that, that seems what it, I'm, you know, 
assumptions make an ass out of you and me. But Jones, it, it seems that uh, they're opting out because, uh, you know, that they know that it's not going to be a successful season, whether that be through uh, COVID's doing or just from the Patriots not being as good as they once were. Uh, kind of like that Toby Keith song. <laughs> Can you sing that song? I'm not as good as I once was. It's like Tom Brady. I got a few years on me now. There was a time back in my prime. I could really lay it down. That one, that's a classic. That is. That's good. I like that. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, the Patriots, it's clear they're in rebuild mode. Um, I don't know if they're going to lose enough games to be in position to draft Trevor Lawrence, but – there's a lot of good quarterbacks in next year's draft, uh, whether it's Brock Purdy uh, or the North Dakota State kid or a few others. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll be in good position to get a good quarterback. Um, with the money they're paying Cam, obviously they're not committed to him long term. I mean, realistically, you could even still, if Cam has a good year this year, bring him back for another year or two and then play your next quarterback, whatever it may be. Um, I don't think that uh, Cam Newton – the way his body is and all this is is primed to play a, a long time, uh, many more years left in this league at this point, even if he plays well this year. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to follow what goes on in New England there. The NFL uh, Top 100 list was uh, released uh, just a couple days ago, the full 100-player uh, survey by the players. And shockingly, the players named Lamar Jackson – the number one player in the NFL. Russell Wilson was number two. Aaron Donald, number three. Patrick Mahomes, the actual best player in the world, he was number four on the list. And he was number four on last year's list as well. Um, Just to kind of look at the others above him, Lamar Jackson has never won a playoff game in his entire career. Russell Wilson, very good, but Patrick Mahomes has uh, matched him in numbers in his first two years as a starter, and uh, not to mention won a Super Bowl in this past two years. Uh, Aaron Donald, you know, defensive player, that's one that I could I could get away with, Tom. I- I'm okay with Aaron Donald being ahead of him. You could make that case, but I don't see any case to be made for the other two, Lamar Jackson or Russell Wilson, ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Um, and-, and this survey by the players, I find it so strange that Patrick Mahomes, he's a likable guy, uh, you know, heck of a football player, very humble, very confident. This one was a bit surprising that the players think of him this way, that they don't think of him as the best player in the league, that they think of Lamar Jackson being better than uh, than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's at this point, I, you know, I think that Lamar Jackson has the potential to be a great, you know, an NFL great. Uh, but at this point, you have to roll with Mahomes. I mean, he he won the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, led his team. Uh, honestly, if you look at the playoff games, I mean, Ravens had no business losing. You know, they just thought that they were going to Titans were going to walk in and they were going to have their way. Obviously, didn't come out to be that way. Um, but I mean, at this point, you got to roll with Mahomes. I mean, he won the Super Bowl. I mean, it's cut and dry what what more does he have to prove to be number one on this right, list right. that's what i'm saying it's, it's cut and dry i mean we're sailing the same boat over here i'm just are like, we huh? really 
are we really going after him for missing two games this year for being injured? Is that what this is? Uh, right. I mean, at this point, you might as well, if we're putting, you know, whoever at number one, we might as well throw Chad Henney in the top 100. Chad Henney and his Hennessy. Yeah. Uh, he deserves at least the, the 100 spot. Right. Uh, number one in our hearts, Chad Henney and uh, the Hennessy. Um, but, yeah, this one was bizarre. What a couple of days it's been for Patrick Mahomes, though, Tom. Not only did he get the contract extension a couple weeks ago, making him a very rich $500 million man for the next 10 years, he joined the Royals ownership group, making him the youngest professional athlete turned owner in American sports history. And he also bought a, a nice $300,000 Ferrari to uh, casually drive around. Um, maybe this was just a humbling of sorts for Patrick off of the uh, the good week of purchases he had with his uh, fortunes the last couple of days. Right. I mean, it's just like, well, okay. You know, you, you can let whoever be number one, but I'm still driving around a half-million-dollar Ferrari. No biggie. Right. And uh, – and I'm already, you know, owning a, a baseball team. I do find that fascinating. Um, you know, Patrick's dad, of course, played for the Twins, 11-year career. Um, Patrick was raised around baseball. He was drafted, actually, out of high school by the Tigers, um, but opted to go ahead and play college football at Texas Tech. Tom, I always figured that there would be some connection of some sorts between Patrick Mahomes and the baseball world. Now this is it. I would not be shocked one bit if in the future Patrick Mahomes is the sole primary owner of the Royals or if he uh, you know gets involved in uh, you know some baseball in baseball in some way shape or form he's never going to play it obviously um, but to me that this seems like the first step of him pursuing that other love of his that obviously is very near and dear to him I mean they say uh, the people that were around him that he was just as good if not better of a baseball player in high school, than he was a football player. So uh, that's pretty cool. There you go. For whatever reason, he has a falling out. Then uh, maybe he can go Tim Tebow and go play baseball. (laughs) Right. Oh, man, that's something. But uh, what a week for Patrick Mahomes uh, on that front. Still got a lot more to come here on the Jones Report today. Going to talk more about college football and trying to get this season going with Caden McFarland when he joins us coming up in just a few minutes from right now. Also on today's show, uh, we'll talk about the NBA restart. We're going to do a college mascot draft. Got Tom Fuller as well. All that and more coming up later on here on the Jones Report. But first, Caden McFarland joins us next. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week, he is the sports director for KJRH, the NBC affiliate in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It is our good friend of the show, Cade McFarlane, who's back for his uh, third appearance on the podcast. Cade, appreciate the time as always. What's going on, my friend? I'm doing well. Enjoying uh, enjoying a slower summer than usual. You know, lots of time with the family, so that's been good. Always a pleasure to be with you. I, you're keeping track. It feels like it's been more than three times. Um but, yeah, obviously, you're, you're the man who would know. So I'm happy to be back for a third time. Third time's a charm. Yes, it is. Uh, I guess I have that effect on people where uh, we, we make things <laughs> seem. Right. It just feels like so much longer. Closer than, than they I, appear. I, I, 
Yeah, I got I got the same thing going on in my life. All right. All right. Caden, uh, always uh, good to chat with you, man. So first off, before we uh, talk too much shop, uh, what's going on in uh, your world? Uh, I know that this was a whole different experience for everybody trying to cover sports without sports going on and doing the, the in-home broadcasts and stuff like that. What's uh, been your last couple months been like, man? You know, it's been a lot busier than I would have thought going into this thing. Uh, there's been so much news to chase, especially with regard to, you know, the Big 12, and decisions still hasn't been made, right? So in some ways, we've been talking about the same story from different angles uh, for four months now. Um, you know, and then there have been, you know, there are people affected uh, at, at the high school level, you know, here in Tulsa, and the college level, obviously, as well. And We've talked to a lot of athletes and done a lot of stories from a lot of different angles, you know, obviously on, on the pandemic and are they going to be able to play sports and high school athletes and college athletes who had their, you know, their final seasons uh, for seniors at least and, and others who had their seasons cut short in the spring. Uh, but then also, you know, some of the social justice stuff that's popped up and athletes finding their voice there. And obviously this was sort of ground zero, uh, you know, with regard to Chuba Hubbard and Mike Gundy and the OAN t-shirt. And, you know, so we've had a lot more going on. Um from every angle uh, than, than I ever would have thought. So it's been busier than I expected. I, I've said all along that we need a football season badly, uh, and as we get closer to it, you know, it's less of a certainty than, than it's ever been uh, in the last four months. And so now it's just hoping, hoping that's the right thing and, and hoping it can come to pass. Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, it looks like that uh, things are headed that direction that will at least start the season anyway. I don't know if we'll be able to finish, but it uh, looks like things are headed that direction. And uh, you're, you're Notre Dame fighting Irish, in case people don't know, uh, Caden being the big Notre Dame fan he is. Are, are you, have you accepted that uh, you're Irish, you're not going to be independent and playing the ACC this year? That's going to be a little strange. Well, look. As an Irish fan, you look at the last 25 years of Notre Dame football, even though they're a top-10 team, according to most people now, and they're 33-6 and six the last three seasons, I, I'm still just waiting for them to stub their toe in, in this single season as an ACC team because it would just be too good to be true for them to do this for one year and actually claim the ACC championship and then, you know, walk off uh, into the sunset. Uh, I that would be, trust me, every Notre Dame fan out there would relish that like you cannot believe. Uh, we generally are on board with the team being independent, but the thought of jumping into the ACC for one year and winning that thing is delicious. Um, I, you know, they, so they lost, they lost Wisconsin, USC, and Stanford, which are really quality games. So their schedule probably got easier, but going to North Carolina – it is a tough ball game for this team. Going to Pittsburgh is a tricky ball game. Having Florida State, you know, they're a bit of a wild card. They're coming to South Bend, and you still have to deal with Clemson in November. So getting to the ACC championship game is going to be tough because there are some of those elite teams who don't have to – they don't have Clemson on the schedule. Uh, and then to beat them in Charlotte, to beat them at all – can you imagine if Notre Dame actually pulls off that, that huge upset in South Bend and, and beats Clemson in November. Right. And then you got to turn around and play them again. And so that, you know, and I, I get that's why so many people think Notre Dame needs to be in a conference in this day and age because every other conference now has to deal with that reality, a championship game. Um, there aren't often rematches in the SEC and some of those two division leagues, but in the Big 12, it happens all the time. 
so, you know, as a Notre Dame fan looking at that prospect, I totally get it. I, I've said all along, a one-loss Notre Dame really probably never belongs in the playoffs in, in this day and age. But very often, if they're undefeated, especially the schedule this year, would have been beating Clemson, beating Wisconsin at a neutral site, beating USC. Yeah, they probably should be. Um, and they should have that seat at the table, in my mind. Um, you know, they're, they're of that caliber. Uh, but I, I get it, man. You, playing 13 games, that 13th data point uh, has never... <laughs> It's never been more daunting in in my mind. <laughs> oh man, and uh, I, I just got to say that more than likely, I would guess that Notre Dame's the second best team in the ACC behind Clemson, and so likely to have just even Notre Dame in the ACC championship game is going to be a strange experience for everybody involved, let alone if they win the whole thing. Uh, We'll see what happens. But with that being said, that kind of opens us up to the broader discussion of what we kind of want to get into today for the most part with the college football world and in particular the Big 12. Caden, this college football season, there it's going to be unprecedented. There's going to be nothing like it that we've seen before. Probably won't see anything like this ever again, uh, this college football world, and in particular in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, I- I'm on my, my toes, just kind of th- – this thing seems like it's changing by the day of what this season looks yeah. like at this point. Yeah, and I heard some people yesterday as the ACC plan came out and there were rumors about what the SEC would do saying, you know, once again, the Big 12 is last. And, I, I, you know, I, one, I do have an issue with the fact that the decision, it looks like, will be made Monday evening after the Big 12 media days. I mean, what in the world are we going to talk about and how quickly will our material and everything we get from that Monday morning and early afternoon uh, of virtual interviews be completely, you know, be completely moot um, when they actually decide to make their decision on Monday. But I, I don't think waiting is a problem uh, at this point. And, and why not go forward with, you know, I, w- I would say, why not have a couple of plans or multiple plans? Say, look, we want to play 12 games. We'll see how this thing goes. If possible, we're going to play 12. If not, here's the plan B where we just play our conference opponents and maybe one. And if not that, then here's what we're going to do if it's just our conference opponents and try and space it out. I mean, everybody's got to be flexible. Like you said, it's going to be weird. There is just no way around that. And Bowlesby, Bob Bowlesby, commissioner of the Big 12, has said from the very start, we probably need to get used to the idea that there will be disruptions. There will be breakouts or, uh, uh, you know, uh, there will be teams affected by this in such a way that they probably can't play a game here or there. Not everybody's going to be play, be able to play every game on their schedule uh, because people are going to get COVID. Yeah. When college students are back on campus, it, it's going to happen. So if you want a college football season, you have to have the stomach for that. And that's what I continue to come back to. I, I'm not sure people have the stomach for college sports. You know, I think Major League Baseball will survive a Marlins outbreak in the clubhouse and maybe another team or two i you know i I think pro sports can make it is there going to be the stomach for that when it happens in college sports if if you ask me what are the odds that we get through this college football season uh it it's less than 50 percent for me i I do think like you said we'll probably start it give it a go i think things will go pretty well generally um you know in in training camp but with college kids back on campus and, and these teams playing games against other people that obviously I, – I just 
I don't think we make it through the season because you would just need uh, a little different mindset than I think most people have about college sports in this day and age. 20 years ago, maybe it would have been different. You know, I, I think that people look at college athletes differently now, and, and we probably should. Uh, and I, I just don't think these guys who, who aren't really paid, you know, I, there's, there's a lot that goes into the scholarships they get and then the Pell Grants they're available for and on and on. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that the kids are going hungry necessarily, especially in the Power Five, uh, but they make lots of money for these schools. They don't have a salary, and I just don't think um, once there have been a couple of outbreaks here and there, um, I, I don't think it'll continue. Could be wrong. Hope I'm wrong. Hope it doesn't happen. Uh, but that just for the last few weeks, that's the thought I just can't shake, that we, we don't have the stomach uh, for a few outbreaks, and I think a few outbreaks are undeniably on the way. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. And then if somehow you do get through the season, Caden, how on earth do you figure out who makes the college football playoff? The system was hard yeah. enough as is to select – four teams out of the power five conferences and then add in Notre Dame and all that as well. Now this factor of, if you have no non-conference games or a very limited amount, how on earth are we going to be able to measure up who's better than, than the other teams of who deserves those playoff spots? To me, there's a situation we're looking at the, uh, the unnecessary, the consequences ahead of us that, uh, you know, basically we're not, prepared to deal with and we're kind of just flying by the seat of our pants right now but you know to come back to clemson you know what if trevor lawrence and travis Etienne are out uh for let's say two or three games and they take a couple of losses along the way but it's obvious you know that these guys when we get to the end and if they're healthy are one of the four best teams in the country um you know it the college football playoff the they don't have to take the conference champion yet. That could be written in at some point, but at the moment, that's not the way it stands. How do you decide upon who are the four best teams at the very end? You know, if there have been some breakouts um, among some of the best teams, and therefore the resumes don't necessarily match up with the eye test, if you will. Uh, it's not hard to imagine a, a scenario like that. Uh, now, that said, if we're able to play it, if it's not as bad as, as you and I are hinting at so far in this conversation, right. um, and let you know, I, 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 again, I, I can't imagine that being the case, but just pie in the sky. Let's, let's assume the college teams are able to make it through this season. Everybody plays their games. Uh, you know, at that point, it, it probably won't be that hard. We'll be down to the, the same dilemma we're always, we always have. There are five power five schools or conferences and only four spots, and so there will be that debate. Uh, but, you know, if everybody's able to play a conference season, uh, I think everybody will be okay with just picking the four teams, you know, we think have accomplished the most or looked the best at that point in time. But if there have been uh, games canceled here, there, and everywhere, if some teams play 11 games and some teams play six, <laughs> what, you're, what you're talking about is exactly right. How, how in the world do we pick four playoff teams in that situation. Uh, and, and what about bowl games? Uh, you know, are, are we going to see fit, uh, you know, if there's a second wave in the fall uh, to play any of these bowl games? Will it be just a playoff-only situation for college football and the postseason? Uh, and all of that feels so far away right now. And I, I'll be honest, I haven't devoted near as much time into diving into these teams and the storylines and those sorts of things 
uh, because so much of me thinks, well, this ain't going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It, 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 like, you can't believe that, like, practice is, you know, is scheduled to start, uh, if not next week, then the week after that, uh, as we sit here now. And, you know, the Oklahoma Sooners, I think, having moved up their first game, uh, what, I believe it's exactly a month from right now. It, it, it doesn't feel like it should be that close. And, and so I do think, you know, it, the SEC will announce their plan. The Big 12 will announce their plan. But I think inevitably, you know, the NCAA Board of Governors meets next week, I think, on Tuesday. I think we'll see the season delayed because they want to see one. They want to see how it goes with Major League Baseball for another month. They want to see how it goes with the NBA. They want to see what training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we don't call it training camp, but preseason practice in college football. They want to see how that goes. Are there outbreaks and teams that have to stop that? Uh, and what it's like when, when college kids are back on campus. You know, Mark Emmer talked about that, I believe, earlier this week. And I, I think that's coming one way or another. As much as I would love to get some games in and, yeah, move up the season if at all possible, uh, you know, to give yourself more bye weeks and the chance to maybe recover from, from you know, COVID cases on teams. Uh, I, I think this thing gets delayed and there won't be games until late September. Uh, you know, and then we'll see from there. So it has been hard to wrap your mind around mm-hmm. the fact that we are in late July and the season is quickly approaching and the Big 12 media days uh, should have come and gone by now and, you know, have been rescheduled for Monday. And, like, this thing is, in theory, still coming, but it, it doesn't feel like that's actually the reality. It, it, it feels like this thing will be pushed back. Caden McFarland joining us on the Jones Report this week. Caden, uh, when you look at the Big 12, they already play a round-robin schedule of nine games. It feels like if anybody has to adjust in this situation the big 12 you could argue is the, in the best situation to adapt other than west virginia everybody pretty much is within driving distance of some sorts here i mean if we're talking about trying to change to this covid situation here the big 12 uh with their less amount of teams 10 teams compared to everybody else actually isn't in terrible shape i, I would guess uh comparably speaking of trying to get this season in and get it within the reasonable travel within the league. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And it's probably, uh, you know, one great reason they've been able to, to hold out and not have to take drastic action like uh, the PAC 12, which is dealing with some different things. And I, like you said, being more regional, generally speaking, is helpful. Now, you know, I don't know if any of those, uh, trips that have been by plane will be converted to bus trips. Uh, you know, I don't know, because in theory, you would think you would still want to socially distance on buses, and now you're talking about taking a lot more buses, and I don't know if that's any cheaper, and I don't, you know, I don't know how much safer it is, and on and on. But what you're saying, I, I think, generally is right. You feel better about the fact that, for the most part, most of your teams, most weeks, will be staying in region. It would be real easy for the Big 12 to just keep the conference schedule it's got right now and then do a plus one of some kind. And then it just depends on what the other conferences have done. You know, for Oklahoma, the three non-conference games are Missouri State, Bobby Petrino coming to Norman, and they've moved that up to August the 29th. You got Tennessee at home and the, the trip to Army. You know, you would think that that trip to Army is the one, as much as people have been looking forward to it forever, um, that just has to, you try to reschedule it for some year down the road. Who knows how long down the road it will have to be because, New York and, you know, being the original hotspot for this thing and uh, some of the travel restrictions they have. And it, absolutely nobody can be in the stands, I believe, for sporting events there. Seems like you'd kill that one. And you wait to see what the SEC does. Uh, and if you have to, uh, you know, you reschedule that. And then you've still got Missouri State. And if you look at everybody's schedule, 
you know, you can probably go along those lines. Just, you know, some of these schools that are either FCS or outside the Power Five are probably still happy to take the payday if that's what it comes to. But if you've got a game against a marquee opponent and you can work it out, by all means, work it out. Um, I, I, think, I think what you say is right. They're in a better position than most, at least slightly. Um, and that's why I think they can be flexible. And like I said, they, they have a menu of options. They, they can say, look, we'd, we'd still like to play 12 games if we can. Um, you know, and that, that'll depend on the SEC, uh, you know, and I guess the ACC as well. Um, but you don't have many games scheduled. I don't know if they have any scheduled against the ACC. But you do have several against the SEC, especially big ones, Texas, LSU, OU, Tennessee. Uh, you wait on those guys. And if those all become impossibilities because everybody has gone to conference only, uh, well, then you can just go to conference only plus one and try and keep one of those opponents from a lower division uh, or outside the power five. And, you know, I'm, that's an easy way to play 10 games. I mean, that's, that's nice, neat, and tidy. Uh, and certainly seems doable, you know. Again, if we can have a season. I feel like I have to end every single answer that way. If we have a season, everything I said matters. If not, throw it all out. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's a a sad reality, but that is the truth, uh, my friend. Uh, Kid McFarlane joining us on the Jones Report this week. When you look at this league, do you think anybody has anything for Oklahoma? What do you think of uh, the Big 12 heading into 2020, Caden? I, I think we've reached the point where it's almost a hot take to, to pick anybody but Oklahoma. Uh, when you've won five in a row, when you got Lincoln Riley absolutely in the prime of his career, you got almost certainly uh, a five-star quarterback coming in and Spencer Rattler, even though he's inexperienced, we know how talented he is. You feel so good about your defensive coordinator and Alex Grinch. Uh, they lose, you know, obviously Kenneth Murray Jr. Is, is a huge piece to lose, but they do have some promising-looking guys. They're not going to be an Alabama or Georgia-type defense. No doubt they are not in that class. But you can see this defense maybe getting at least a little bit better in 2020. It's hard to pick against those guys, especially when you look around at the rest of the league and the fact that Texas still has some holes. Uh, And Oklahoma State, even though You've got two All-Americans at the top with, with Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace, and Spencer Sanders is a really promising quarterback, and they bring back almost everybody on defense. When you dive deeper into Oklahoma State and where they were with some of the advanced numbers, not only last year but really the last several years, they just haven't been able to get back to what they were 2008 through 2013 when I, I think they were absolutely every bit the part of, of a top 15 team in the country. They, they, have, they haven't been that, with the exception of 2017, even though they had some 10-win seasons, they had, you know, they were, the record was better than, than the team was. And so it's hard for me to say that one of those teams is, is going to take down OU. Um, I, I do think OU's vulnerable. Um, you know, new quarterback coming in and all that, the defense still far from elite. Uh, if it, it sure seems like this would be a good year for Oklahoma State or Texas to jump up and get them. It's just hard for me to predict that. Uh, when you've won five in a row, man, you're the king. And until the, you've now reached the point where until somebody knocks you off, I, I don't think I'm going to pick it. So I expect it to be competitive. I expect OU to take at least a loss that we don't expect or don't see coming somewhere, maybe even two of them. Uh, but at the end of the day, you got to pick the Sooners because uh, Lincoln, Lincoln Riley's got it rolling, man. 
How good is the uh, Rattler kid, uh, Caden? Uh, I've seen more hype, I think, about him than any other freshman quarterback that comes to mind ever. Um, I mean, yeah. I know the tape there is incredible. The high school uh, recruiting front had him so high. Um, but you're talking about Oklahoma, where they've had all these good quarterbacks as of late. A freshman and everything. We know what Trevor Lawrence did as a freshman winning the national championship. Mm -hmm. What do you think is a realistic expectation for Rattler in year one in Norman? Well, he'll be productive. Uh, if, if you're the starting quarterback for Lincoln Riley, um, <laughs> you're going to put up some really, really big numbers. And you, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. He reminds me a lot of Trevor Lawrence just in terms of the way his high school tape looked different than almost anybody you see. Like it, Very often, five-star quarterbacks show up on campus somewhere uh, but they don't look quite like this. I mean, if there were if there were six stars, like you would give this guy a sixth star, uh, you, just like you would give Trevor Lawrence a sixth star. He's the kind of guy that just doesn't come around every year in terms of arm talent. Now, that's not everything there is to play in the quarterback position. It's not even the most important thing. Maybe not even in the top two uh, in terms of most important things playing the quarterback position. You got to be. One, really, really accurate. Uh, you know, we, I've, I've seen the kid. I, he looks like he's accurate, but, you know, based on high school film, uh, mostly you're judging the velocity. That, that's what really jumps off, off the page at you. Um, you know, and the most important thing is, is your head for the game. Uh, are you a leader? What kind of poise do you have? What kind of command do you have uh, of what you're seeing on the field and the playbook and all those sorts of things? And, you know, simply don't know yet. Um, he wasn't able to play at least part of his senior season because of a mistake he made in high school. So there was some immaturity then. I wouldn't say that because of that one mistake that that translates to anything. But uh, Lincoln Riley has had far more veteran quarterbacks uh, so far in his time at OU. Baker Mayfield had experience. Kyler Murray had been on campus for three or four years. And obviously Jalen Hurts had you know, won almost every game for three years at Alabama. Uh, I think the expectation is that he's going to be really, really good, but there will also be uh, a couple of weeks where he just doesn't have it. And is he able to figure it out um, on weeks like that? I, we shall see. Um, I, it, it's hard to imagine with this coach, with this scheme, the skill talent around him, uh, that his talent won't be able to shine immediately. I, I think he'll be really, really good. Probably just about every bit as good as, as the hype, a lot like Trevor Lawrence was. Now, he won't have uh, the defense that Trevor Lawrence had two years ago when he was a national champion. Um, and so, you know, it, he's going to have to share, uh, you know, shoulder more of a burden than Lawrence did. And, you know, I don't know if you remember, but early on, they, like, they were really conservative with the way they used Lawrence. And mm -hmm. he didn't put up monster numbers, especially the first half of his freshman season. This will be different. And uh, he's going to have to win games the way Oklahoma – has grown accustomed to winning games under Lincoln Riley. You're going to have to outscore some people, you know, some weeks when your defense doesn't have it. And there's pressure that comes along with that. Baker Mayfield was fantastic at handling that. So was Kyler Murray. Uh, Jalen Hurts, he found a way even down the stretch last year when uh, I think defenses had sort of figured him out in some way. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I think Spencer Rattler's going to live up to the hype uh, because you just don't see somebody come along with this talent very often. And we know that Lincoln Riley's simply as good as it gets. So, there's no way I would bet against it. Could I see a scenario in which he does disappoint, um, you know, relative to the expectation? Sure, just because they're that high. Uh, and and he's, he's a redshirt freshman. 
Right. Well, I would guess, too, that with Mordecai, who they're still pretty high on themselves, they're going to be fine one way or the other. Even if something yep. blows up with Rattler, I would expect Mordecai to be just fine as well. So uh, that quarterback position in Oklahoma has been as good as any in college football and expect more of the same there with Spencer Rattler leading the way for the Sooners in 2020. Uh in Stillwater with Oklahoma State, you mentioned how bizarre and just you know weird it was of what went on at Oklahoma State in Stillwater this offseason uh, with the t-shirt controversy and all that stuff there. Have things finally fizzled down? Have they settled in Stillwater? Do you think everybody is getting along now? Can they move past what happened uh, this past offseason, Caden? Well, that's that's what we're hearing. Um, you know, it, you you love uh, my man Bill Haston, right? Has he has he been on the show with you? Oh yeah, yeah, we love Bill. Bill Haston, we love Bill around here. So so I can call him friend of the program. Yes, friend of the uh, show. Nobody's yes. more dialed in. Nobody's more dialed into that program, and especially uh, you know Mike Gundy uh, than Bill Haston is. And he says the reports are that there has been no weirdness. That the offseason workouts have gone well, uh, and you know Mike Holder said he expects. Um, I don't know if kind or gentler Mike Gundy is the way to put it, but a better version of Mike Gundy, uh, more engaged in terms of uh, the relationships he has with players. Uh, they talked to, I believe, 40 either current or former players, and it, the reports back were not that this guy's a racist, and, and they weren't even that he's uh, got some crazy politics that he's throwing in our face all the time and talking about snowflakes or something like that. Uh, it was simply that he was detached, that he was a CEO uh, let his coaches do the coaching and just didn't have much of a relationship with a lot of his players. And, you know, I, as a Notre Dame fan, I bring it back to that. Brian Kelly had the same thing several years ago in 2016. They went four and eight at the end of the year. He did exit interviews asking guys, you know, kind of what was broken in the program. And he heard the exact same thing. Like, we want to be coached by you. We came here to play for you and we don't feel like we know you very well. In short order, he was able to change some of those things. He eats breakfast with the kids, you know, now every morning and is just more engaged. I think he got some things off of his schedule, some of the speaking engagements around the country and things like that. And it worked. And they've gone 33 and 6 ever since. Can Mike Gundy do the exact same thing? I mean, the early indication is uh, that he was legitimately surprised by some of the criticism and uh, hurt by it and wants to change things. And so, you know, until. We see evidence otherwise. I'll choose to believe it because the guy has won more games than anybody else at that program, and it's not even close, and it's for a reason. He's a smart guy, and I think he did get a little too caught up in the mullet and the image and selling the program that way and maybe just forgot about some of the relationship building. You know, I know he's really into the lives of his kids and going to their ball games and his ranch and stuff like that. So you can see how it'd be easy to let some of that stuff suffer. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Let's put it that way. I would not be a bit surprised if this does end up being a good thing for the programs. Um, but I could, I could see it going the other way as well. Right. I mean, right. Uh, you know, we, we just found out today for me, as we're recording this just a few minutes ago, that uh, players will be able to put different slogans, right. Uh, social justice type things, or who knows what else uh, just, causes that they're in favor of that you put that on the back of their jersey instead of their name um you know what what will come of that sort of thing you know you know again i'm not i'm not saying that mike gundy's gonna have any issue in fact you would think that he'd be one of the guys who would have no issue with it because he's already uh i mean this guy was staring at perhaps being fired right if chuba hubbard decides 
that he's going to lead a mutiny, you could absolutely see how Mike Gundy would have lost his job uh, just a, a few weeks ago. Uh, in this day and age, look, players have way, way more power uh, than, than, than they have in the past. And so uh, I, I, my guess is Mike Gundy's going to be all, all for anything anybody wants to put on the back of their jersey. But I'm just saying, um, you know, we're, we're, we're at a time where um, a coach's political views can, can be called into question from lots of different places. And how he – well, let's put it this way. If he talks in press conferences going forward the way he's talked in some of them in the past, bringing up things like the snowflake or he talked about how liberalism was, was a problem for, you know, I, I can't remember exactly what the context there was. But, you know, if things like that come out or if he slips up or says something, players may be able to hold him to account and maybe there is some sort of fracture. Uh, mm-hmm. I do expect to see a little bit different Mike Gundy. Um, and, and I think this will end up being probably a good thing. And he knows that if he can just get to the start line with this team and Chuba Hubbard on his team and Tylen Wallace on his team, they really do have the best chance they've had to win a Big 12 title in quite some time. Um, you know, 2017, obviously they were right there, but that team just wasn't able to, to put it all together. I mean, they, they enter this season, you know, the number two team, uh, according to the media in, in the Big 12 preseason poll. Uh, he doesn't want to squander this opportunity. I mean, this this is a great opportunity for Mike Gundy. And it was probably also, I think, the right thing for him to do. You know, if players are mm-hmm. simply saying, look, we want to be coached by you. We want to have more of a relationship with you. Um, you know, it, it's it's the wise and right thing to do for, for him to, to heed that advice. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I'll be curious if they let players uh, actually wear something like free Hong Kong or something like that on the on their jerseys or no, what it exactly opens that up. looks I mean, like. It's it's different than the NBA, right? Like yeah. Where there are only you know compared to college football, a handful of players, and and you know the diversity of opinions is nowhere near as great. And uh, yeah, free Hong Kong, or you know, I don't know how political they'll let it get. Surely uh, they they might advise against either some sort of Biden or Trump. <laughs> Uh, Can you on the back of your jersey. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, can you imagine, right? I mean, we're now into sort of a free speech thing. And once you go down that road, I mean, look, for me, it'll just be a thing to report on. It'll be an right. interesting thing to report on. Uh, but for a lot of people out there on Twitter uh, who have strong political leanings, uh, this will be a reason to fight. Yeah. Well, <laughs> to it, say the least. And I look back at you know what happened this offseason. From a personal standpoint, I, I could not care less what Mike Gundy was wearing on a T-shirt, what his political views are, one way or the other. Uh, but I did think what he did do and say was, was stupid in the sense of alienating his players and such like that. You sure. have to keep that in mind of everything you do. Every action is going to be documented, and somebody's going to find out something. So, yeah, uh, we'll see if they move on from this point. But you bring up a, a, a very – uh, you know, good point, Caden, about just how good this Oklahoma State team is. You got a returning quarterback in, in Spencer Sanders who had uh, a pretty good first season as their their starter last year. Chuba Hubbard, of course, coming off the the Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Year award, and then Tylon Wallace uh, comes back healthy. And you know, just a couple of years ago, he was the uh, you know won the Blitnikoff for best wide receiver in the country. That offense is as good as any offense in college football, Caden. If their defense was just decent or average, we would be probably talking about Oklahoma State being a top five team right now. I mean, that defense appears to be, and we've talked about this for years now. What's holding them back again? 
Yes, but um, I was surprised when I went and uh, went back and looked at the efficiency ratings from last year, and they were a top forty defense, and I didn't see that coming. And and you can think back to a couple of games, especially the Iowa State game on the road against maybe the best quarterback in the Big Twelve this year. Um, you know, and and a great coach and a great scheme, and the defense won that ball game uh, with several interceptions at the end of the game one the pick six that ended up being the winning score they have at all three levels some difference makers at safety colby harvell peel maybe had five interceptions last year uh this guy plays the safety position the way you want it played like the instincts are are really really good they have experience elsewhere in the secondary and some players that that they really like some good length at cornerback at linebacker Amon Ongbog Biamiga, just said that wrong, but you know, you know, you know what I'm going for. Uh, I think he's a difference maker as well. A guy who can get behind the line of scrimmage, a uh, lot of tackles for loss. He's a playmaker, sideline to sideline as well. And then Malcolm Rodriguez, who's really probably playing out of position, but he's so smart. Uh, the linebacking core is really good. And then up front, Trace Ford. When I went back and watched a couple of games, uh, man, did he jump off the screen at me? And it, frankly. As it was happening in real time last year, I, I failed to see just how, how good he is already. You know, you could tell he was going to get there, but like he kind of already is there. I, I think that they've got all Big 12 type guys at all three levels, and they bring back just about everybody. And so the question is can you go from a top 40 ish type defense efficiency wise and become a top 25 or top 20 defense efficiency wise? They haven't been there very often. But they have been there. If you go back to 2011 when they just forced a ton of turnovers and 2013 when they were just really, really good, in the Mike Gundy era, there have been a couple of defenses that have, that have risen to that level. Again, you're never going to be Alabama, LSU, Georgia, but they've risen to that level where they undeniably are one of the best in the Big 12. If they can get there, and if Spencer Sanders, if Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace stay healthy, I mean, they'll be great. If Spencer Sanders can take a step forward and not make too many mistakes, uh, and if that defense can take not a not a quantum leap forward, but just a nice step forward, this Oklahoma State team really can win the Big Twelve. So that was one of the takeaways for me in some of my research and diving in this summer. The defense probably was better than I remembered one year ago, and better than it's generally been in the last five or six years. But the question is, can they take a step forward and, and not just be uh, somewhat uneven? Uh, overall in terms of, uh, you know, one week they're actually really, really good and, you know, part of the big part of the reason you win and, and the next week, you know, they're just, you're winning in spite them. Uh, can they take a step forward and, and be a little bit more consistent? Um, I, I think it's doable, to be honest. I, I, I really like Jim Knowles and his scheme, and I, I, you could see real progress from year one to year two. If you see some more progress in year three, they really do have a shot, um, you know, and, and their their entire season, if we have a season, <laughs> uh, it probably comes down to that that final week um, in Austin against Texas. If they win that game, I think there's a really really good chance that they found themselves in the Big Twelve championship game, and that's all you want. You'll take that every day of the week uh, going into the season. Uh, you know, it probably comes down to those two teams at the very very end. Yeah, that would be uh, something if it works out that way. We'll see what happens. Uh, Caden, we got a few more minutes left with his. So I do want to talk uh, about the NBA restart. The uh, Thunder 
get back Andre uh, Robertson, which I forgot uh, he was even on the roster there for a second. Uh, it's been two and a half years. Uh, what what do the Thunder do? Are they going to play uh, back off a bit and play for draft picks, or are they going all out to try to win this thing? Where do the Thunder position themselves as uh, they head into the uh, get ready for this postseason and finish out the uh, the regular season here down in Orlando? That's a great question. I think long-term they will uh, shed some salary, uh, not only because that's probably where the thing was going anyway, but because now in the middle of a pandemic and you're looking at next season, you probably won't be able to fill the peak either. Um, at least that's my assumption, that you still won't be able to, you know, if we have crowds, it'll still be, you know, the social distance variety. Uh, you know, I, I think they'll shed salary sooner than later, Danilo Gallinari and, and Chris Paul, if you can find a suitor. But this year, man, go for it. Uh, and look, I, I think with Chris Paul as the unquestioned leader of this team, that's a nice little thing to have going for you as, as we try and finish this season in a completely unprecedented way. I think they've got good leadership at the top. I think they've got good togetherness, generally speaking. Uh, you know, the the scrimmages, the three scrimmages, they look pretty good in all of them. And, you know, the guys seem to have fun. Like, they're all in. Um, I, You know, if you ask me, are they going to win a playoff series? That's, so you're talking about either beating Denver, Utah, Dallas, or Houston. It, before the bubble thing started, I would have said the chances of that are a little less than 50%. As we stand here now, I would say they're a little better than 50%. I, I just think this team is well-coached. I think it's well-led by Chris Paul at the top. I think it plays together, and it's got some pretty good depth, and Robertson only helps that, uh, and returns have been really good in the scrimmages there. I kind of think they're going to end up finding a way to win a playoff series, but then that's going to be the end of the road because they are simply not in the class of the Lakers or Clippers, and you're going to have to deal with those guys. And, um, you know, th that'll be it, and that'll be all. So it'll be fun. You know, we'll have the eight games, uh, you know, seeding games, and then I potentially two playoff series. Uh, maybe you can take a game, you know, from one of those L.A. teams. But mm -hmm. I don't see it going any further than that. I mean, LeBron just has way too much to lose. And with Anthony Davis by his side, you're not in their class. Uh, and even though the Clippers, you know, maybe don't seem like uh, they've got the same – mindset that the Lakers have, uh, you know, Lou Williams and some of the other guys who have left the bubble for various reasons as well. Uh, they've got way too much talent and they're way too well coached by Doc Rivers. So it, that'll be it. That's as far as they can get. But I, I'm kind of leaning towards, I think they're going to end up winning the playoff series one way or another. Uh, I like them better than Denver, Utah, or Dallas. Uh, Houston's a bit of a wild card. So yeah. I think in, I, I, it'll be fun. You know, I, I think I think we're going to get a little bit of a playoff run. I don't think it's going to be like four or five games and out. So uh, I'm all I'm all in on this thing, man. Let's do it. I'm excited. Uh, I really am uh, to see what the Thunder do in this stretch and to finish out this season on a good note of some sorts here. And, and I got to tell you, Caden, I've been so impressed with what Chris Paul has done this year. I know that uh, SGA is the future yeah. of the franchise, and he's had a really good year as well. But for Chris Paul, you know, here he is at the, uh, you know, coming up on the end of his career, and he still kicked it in gear and gave his best every single night all season long this year and, and brought energy to that franchise that we thought was 
kind of just drift away once Paul George and Russell Westbrook left. Made for a very good, interesting season. I look back at that time of him with the New Orleans-Oklahoma City Hornets and how exciting that was just to have the NBA and the first two seasons mm-hmm. of his career right here in Oklahoma City. Could you make a case for Chris Paul's jersey to be retired potentially at Oklahoma City? What say you as far oh. as his legacy with that Oklahoma City uh, area of sorts? Wow, what a question. Uh, I don't think it'll happen because the first franchise he played with and won Rookie of the Year with uh, is not this franchise. Um, Should it be retired somewhere in Bricktown, maybe? (laughs) Because he has meant something to the franchise, without a doubt. Same Um, number, both teams, too. He's going to have a special place in the heart of Oklahoma City basketball fans, without a doubt. I I don't see any way that, that his number goes up. Uh, but you know, as you were talking, it made me think of the look the way. This is his fifteenth year, by the way, and you would be so hard pressed to find a little guard, one of the great little guards in NBA history. He is without a doubt on a short list there, who has played this way for this long. Isaiah Thomas was done, I believe, in a twelfth, twelfth or thirteenth season. Allen Iverson was done after only about a decade to be this good on a team, a playoff caliber team you know maybe a top four seed team at this stage of his career is really something and it's a testament to the fact that when we judge greatness and have our debates LeBron versus Jordan and all that sort of stuff it, we really do go about it all wrong by valuing championships to the extent we do because this guy probably never even sniffs a championship has he been to the conference finals one time in his career one I time, maybe that uh, one time with Houston it, maybe, and, and he got hurt uh they were up in the yeah. series against Golden State and then he got hurt in uh game five and they lost the next two this guy's been so good and if you look at some of the advanced numbers like he's up there top five or six all time of any player not just point guards in, in like wind chairs and some of those things uh Chris what we got to witness this year in Oklahoma City from Chris Paul I mean, it was greatness. It was a great leader and a great player simply going about his business. I saw today on ESPN.com, one of their experts had him as a second-team All-NBA player this year, which is just remarkable in, in his 15th season. Uh, Chris Paul plays the point guard position about as well as anybody ever has. You know, John Stockton, Isaiah Thomas, he, he's, he's right there with all, all the, the little guards, excluding Magic and Oscar. Uh, who have ever done it. And, you know, if you were having a draft among those guys, I'm not so sure you wouldn't pick him first. He is a great, great player and has just been star-crossed with regard to the timing of things and who was in the league at the time. And, look, he hasn't always played his very best in in some of those moments. Uh, And then, you know, you mentioned the injury um, in the Houston-Golden State series. But uh, he is – we got to witness greatness, no doubt. And the fact that he was rookie of the year here and then spent a spectacular maybe all-NBA 15th year uh, in Oklahoma City, that's pretty cool. And I've said this so many times, I've probably uh, mentioned it when you and I have talked. Uh, It's it's flabbergasting to me. A few years ago I was in North Carolina listening to Sports Talk Radio, and they were debating uh, at the time who was the best Charlotte Hornet of all time. Was it the three years of Alonzo Mourning? Or was it, you know, and I, I just thought to myself, how lucky have we been uh, that the, the, the players who have played in Oklahoma City, it, it's staggering. You know, and some of them didn't even have a great run, but, you know, Carmelo Anthony is a Hall of Famer. Kevin yeah. Durant 
is one of the 15 greatest players of all time. Russell Westbrook's 2017 season, well, unmatched. But then you layer in all the guys that have come in since. Paul George, one of the best two-way players of his time, and Chris Paul, and on and on it goes. Uh, man, we, we haven't had a title. We probably won't get a title because they're that hard to win in a small market. Uh, but it's it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, trading away James Harden, obviously, uh, <laughs> Sam Presti would do that over again if he could. Uh, but he's made a lot of other really, really good moves. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a fun run uh, so far. I'm excited to see what happens down the road, but uh, definitely uh, d- cherish and soak in the moments we have, even though we haven't had a championship just yet. But, you know, Chris Paul, I, I would say, Caden, and, and, you know, I, I say retire the jersey, something he's got to be honored of some sorts, I feel, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, because if you looked at, you mentioned all those names that have come through uh, Oklahoma City, of professional basketball in Oklahoma City, I would say that Chris Paul is probably a top five most important player for professional basketball in OKC because I think a lot of the appeal and what proved Oklahoma City to be a viable basketball market was people wanted to see what Chris Paul and that Hornets team were doing night in and night out. I mean, it, it was exciting those, uh, those couple of years, even though they weren't a playoff team, just to see this young star on the rise like that. I, I wouldn't disagree with that a bit. Uh, I wasn't here for that, and you were. And to be honest, I haven't heard people say that very often. Uh, but I think you're right on the money. Um, in, in terms of importance, even if it's only those two years and this year, because of what those two years paved the way for, right? and like you say, because of how crucial he was to it, uh, I, I think you're probably right. You would be hard-pressed to find five more important. You certainly wouldn't put Paul George in there. Uh, you know, it, it, We'll see at the end of Stephen Adams' run. Uh, but yeah, I, I at at this point in time, absolutely, he he makes that starting five. Yeah, uh, he's something else, and we're certainly glad to have him uh, in Oklahoma City for the time being. Uh, Caden, before we let you run here, where can uh, people see all the great stuff you guys are doing at uh, KJRH? Uh, definitely an exciting time to be uh, following you guys as uh, we're getting back into the, the thick of things again of a, a sports world of some sorts. Uh, and you guys uh, were fortunate to actually got to have uh, Drillers Baseball uh, somewhat uh, the last few weeks as well. We did. They're not done. Uh, Texas Collegiate League Baseball, uh, kind of sponsored by Texas League teams. Uh, and we had a 30-game season that's just about to wrap up. Uh, played at One Oak. And if the boys win, I believe, three of their last four, uh, we'll get a championship series or at least part of a championship series in Tulsa, so that's been fun. KJRH.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at Caden Mac at CadenMC, uh, or find us on Facebook, KJRH Facebook page, or the KJRH Sports Facebook page. We post videos uh, daily, so I appreciate that shout-out. And I just, I just want to check in. Uh, are you guys okay uh, up there in uh, the Kansas City area with Pat Mahomes? Like, are, this is this is a this is a local tragedy, right? That he's number four on the NFL's list. Have you guys recovered, or because your Super Bowl chance is there just nothing that can bring you down these days? That uh, was uh, a a nightmare, a public nightmare of sorts for folks to to try to swallow the reality that these players uh, in this anonymous survey think he's the fourth best player in the league, but. Uh, you know, he was already tweeting about it, the uh, the, the yeah. emoji where he was taking notes of sorts. It's like that Jordan strategy, just a little extra motivation yeah. of some sorts. We already heard Tyreek Hill say that they're chasing Jordan going for uh, seven rings. So we'll see. Uh, if, if that's what it takes to have him <laughs> to get a little chip on his shoulder, I'm all for it. 
it. Uh, go ahead, yeah. whatever. I mean, just to, if it's extra motivation, fine with me. I could I could care less. But it, it definitely gave us something to talk about. A, a good couple of days though for Patrick. Would you got the contract extension? Uh, of course, he bought a stake in the Royals. He just bought a three hundred thousand dollar Ferrari the other day. So kind of a humbling, I guess, after the good run of what he's been through the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's. Uh... I, I didn't I didn't get that. I still don't get that. It's head scratching without a doubt. Uh, but it's also with uh, you know yeah sure it just throw a little little fuel on the fire in case the guy was getting complacent. So right uh, nothing wrong with that. You got you got that Super Bowl championship uh, to you know help you sleep at night. Right exactly. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, your guy Jacobs now in Denver. Uh, of uh, going right. back and forth, rival. yeah, going back and forth with him on the AFC West. It's going to be fun to have him uh, covering uh, our division here. Uh, and you know, talk to him. We'll have him on a couple times a year, I imagine. And and uh, that'll be uh, that'll be fun to see. Denver's a good team that's on the rise too. Uh, so they'll they'll be fun for many years with the, the Chiefs. Caden, thanks for joining us as always, man. We we went way over what I anticipated time wise, but that's perfectly fine. A great chat as always. Thanks for joining us, man. And uh, we'll talk again down the line. I apologize for being long-winded, but it's good talking to you, Tyler. Be good. Big thanks to Cade McFarland for joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges back here with you now. Still to come here on the Jones Report today, have our college mascot draft. And then later on, we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well. But first, I want to talk about the NBA restart. Two games last night as we saw the uh, Lakers and Clippers battle it out, as well as the Pelicans and the Jazz with the NBA season resuming. And they've been in the bubble for a couple weeks now. And there has not been a single positive test for COVID-19 since, I believe, July 15th, something like that. I mean, it has been a long time. So the bubble was working. And it looks like that they're going to finish out this season and it all go according to plan. This appears to be a success. Uh, I like what the NBA is doing here. Uh, the way that they're finishing out this season one way or the other here. I know it's going to be different without any crowds. T- Tom, watching these games and you know just seeing no crowds there and uh, you have a couple players from other teams that are going and watching the games, but that's about it. It feels like I'm watching a professional AAU circuit of sorts. Does it not feel like a lot like those Frisco gyms that we used to call games at? Oh, yeah, exactly. I remember that? I mean, just a little small off-tangent. Remember we were in there, and I was like, all right, Jones, they got Dippin' Dots in here somewhere. You think they have Dippin' Dots in the bubble? I would hope so. It's the ice cream of the future, you know. Right? I would go. I, if you were in the bubble – and played for a different team, wouldn't you go watch the other games? I would. Well, what else are you going to do, right? Might as well. I mean, yeah, play cornhole for the hundredth time. Right? Go to I mean, the, well, maybe. Go to the Animal Kingdom again? Now, Jones, we, we are on the bubble subject, so this is not a tangent at all. I have heard, I'll have to find the article, and this might be a little foreshadowing to Tom Fullery maybe today. The, the players there's a loophole that they're getting in through uh, to have massage therapists come in to the bubble. And I'm going to let your, I think maybe we'll use that story for Tom Fuller. So I won't spoil it too much. Just let your imagination run wild with the term massage therapist in an NBA bubble where the wives and girlfriends are not allowed. 
we'll get back to that. Mm. But Jones, I would I would go watch the games. Uh, it is odd though watching them on TV with in like a it's like watching it at a YMCA, right? Yeah, it's a very strange setting um, that they have going on here uh, with these games and and uh, you know they're played back to back on the same floors and everything here too. I mean, I'll take it, but it's certainly different than what we're accustomed to. Um, you know, I, I look at – I know that the Clippers won. They, they lost the Lakers the other night. But I think that this, Tom, is about the Clippers and the Lakers here. You have, you know, two of the best players in the world in Kawhi Leonard and uh, LeBron James. LeBron, you know, coming towards the end of his career, the final run here looking for every chance to get a title at this point in time. Kawhi's just now starting to enter his prime and everything here. I would say that I know it's it's early in this bubble stuff and we still have a long ways to go, that the Lakers and the Clippers are probably the two teams to beat for this title right now. Yeah, it seems to be the case. I, I mean, uh, a dark horse team, well, we've talked about it multiple times. I think the Nuggets have a little bit of say. Uh, I mean, I don't think we talked about Bull Bull yet, have we? Have we? We have not. I mean, Bull Bull. I mean, are are you? We're talking about the NBA right now. Are you on the Bull Bull hype train or no? Oh, I like Bull Bull. I mean, that was pretty spectacular. That that I mean, granted, it's a scrimmage, right? That was so, but it was pretty spectacular. That was a a, a showcase, uh, a showcase night for Bull Bull. So, so Denver's your sleeper team. Here's my sleeper team. Uh, Boston. They have looked a lot better than they did at this time last year. It was a mess with Kyrie Irving and everything last year, what they were going through. Um, what we have seen from that team, uh, the way Jason Tatum has turned it on, I mean, he'll finish top five at MVP voting. He's taken it up a notch. Kimball Walker's been a much better fit than Kyrie was. Um, watch out. I think the Celtics could make some noise. I would not be surprised, Tom, if the Celtics found a way past the Bucs to win the East. I still like the Bucs, but it would not shock me if the Celtics found a way to, to come out of the East. I can see that. Uh, I, I mean, the only thing I think I'm disappointed about, you know, we have our sleeper picks and, uh, you know, we're in the bubble, all these different activities you can do in the bubble and, and all these different things. Uh, the only thing I think I'm disappointed about is that we're not going to be able to see uh, or have the potential to see the what I think is an inev- inevitable if the Nuggets don't surprise everyone. It would be Lakers-Clippers and be in one location in L.A. Right. Uh, you know, having to swap the floor out uh, every, you know, back and forth, go from the low uh, lights of the Lakers to the normal lights of the Clippers, you know, all that. Yeah. Right. You'll get I the mean, one that... location factor, but they'll be playing 5,000 miles away in front of no fans. So, right. Exactly. I mean, maybe we'll have to wait even, you know, in, in Jones, we talk about the NBA, we talk about the bubble. NBA has not ruled out the bubble for the next season. I mean, this isn't, this could be a thing that we're living with for a while, and considering how terrible the MLB has gone, yeah, uh, yeah. even in a short week, uh, I mean, the NBA might be smart just to keep the bubble intact. Yeah, uh, 
what what are the chances? Do you? Th- I think they're very high. With the way things are going right now, I think we could see a December restart of the next season and, and all teams be in the bubble. Now, they'll obviously have to change a few things, uh, make it bigger. But can you imagine all every NBA team in one location in a bubble? Right. Uh, and, and I think how- that you would also have to have a family member or two be allowed. Um, I, I laughed so hard when Stephen A. said – uh, a couple of weeks ago that, you know, it's going to be hard for these guys to go without sex for a month in the bubble. Um, he was right. It's going to be a struggle. We, we, we're talking massage therapists later on. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, too. If this is going to be a long-term thing, if this is going to go on next season, that's, that's what they're going to have to do. Now, the, the way the bubble is working this time is as teams get eliminated, then the teams remaining can bring in their families and be with them. Um, so it's not a long-term thing that you're without your families and such, the way this system is set up right now. So, um, But I just wonder if uh, if Lou Williams is going to be able to, to bring in some more Magic City chicken. Right, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how that's going to be affected, uh, you know, if they choose to bring in – all the teams, if, if, if in the December when it restarts the season, how that will go. Jones, another thing to think about that I don't think is being – it's been talked about, but I don't think it's being talked about enough, tampering. Yes. You get all these teams in together. What super team is going to come out of the bubble? There, there will be one. And you know what's going to happen. Absolutely. I mean, that's something to talk about. How do you deal with tampering? when the teams are all in one location at all times. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I don't think you can avoid it, actually. Um, I think that's going to happen one way or the other in this case. Uh, but we've seen a couple of guys you know, leave the bubble, but it seems like that the NBA is staying on top of things with uh, you know Zion or uh, even Lou Williams in his uh, chicken excursion to uh, Magic City. Uh, coming back and such, You know, they, they made sure to – sit him out 10 days and such and quarantine and all that. Um, they, they got a good thing going here. I like what the NBA is doing uh, on this front to, to make this work, and it's kind of a well-oiled machine. Uh, what, what do you make of that Lou Williams situation, by the way, Tom, uh, getting his uh, his fried chicken from uh, Magic City Strip Club in, in Atlanta? Right. I mean, I think it's pretty irresponsible on his part. You know, it's – you know, they try, you know, this is why we can't have nice things. They claim People that like there Lou was Williams. no strippers there, but I don't believe that for a second. It's Lou Williams. Of course there were strippers there. I mean, why would he go all the way there? Right. I mean, there I guarantee you there's better chicken anywhere around. Right. Than having to go <laughs> the old Magic City way. Uh, I mean, let's be real. I mean, he was just the first domino to fall. And the Stephen A. These players can't go, uh, you know, that long without it. Uh, I mean, now I got to try. Right, this. I mean, rightfully so. Let them, you know, if you if if you got it like that, do it. But don't jeopardize other people. Um, We've heard so, uh, Johnny Menzel and several others say that. Hey, no, that's the best chicken in all of Atlanta. I, I got to see what this chicken is all about now. Right, I'm kind of curious now. Uh, if I make when I eventually make my way east, I mean that's 
I wonder if they've gotten more business. They would have had to. I would imagine this is the best PR that they've ever had. Oh, 100%. You, you know they're just sitting back like, yes, yes, yes. We we are here. We are front front page news. And people are talking about our chicken, not our dancers. Right? I mean, do the I – mean, I mean – That's a lot cheaper probably. I, oh, I mean, I'm <laughs> let's just – I'm going to look. Magic City. <laughs> let's just see. Is there – I want – is it just – do they serve it only at a certain time? Okay, two days ago, Kevin Harlan requests Magic City chicken wings during TNT telecast. Yeah. He, there uh, you go. Kevin Harlan wants it. Yeah. And uh, his daughter, Olivia Harlan, uh, who works for ESPN, she put out a tweet saying that uh, she doesn't think her dad really knows what that is. And Reggie Miller responded saying, uh, your dad knows more than you think. <laughs> Has Kevin Harlan been to Magic City? We just didn't get the, didn't get the, the chicken. Uh, I wonder, you know, did, did I, he and Reggie Miller go together to Magic City? Wouldn't that be something? Could you imagine? That's uh, that's where TNT's headquarters is too. Maybe you get Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, and Shaq all to Magic City to go and, and Ernie too to go eat chicken. Okay, yeah, maybe is this it right here? I don't know if this is it, Jones. I think it could be. Uh, let's look. I'm looking, maybe this is prices right here. Oh, this is it. All right, how this much? This is it. They serve chicken. They serve chicken till 2.30 in the morning. Okay. And the it says, I'm on the website, magiccity.com. The Magic City Kitchen, the reason you are here, wings. So they're trying to, it's kind of like the Hooters thing, but instead of, this is the real Hooters. Okay. This is the real Hooters. You can get lemon pepper, Thai chili, hot, honey garlic, garlic parmesan, ranch, teriyaki, barbecue, battered, and the best one, naked. Signature style, exclusive to the Magic City Kitchen. These flavors were born and bred in Atlanta. Lou Will, lemon, Lou Will. Lou Will, nice. Well, I mean, maybe not, not, maybe not a shout out to him. I don't know. Lou Will, lemon pepper barbecue, Juju Rude, Boy Jerk, Justice Magic, Uncle Jeff, Honey Jerk. 10 piece, $15 all flats, $17 all drums. Wings served with the choice of French fries or onion rings. Um, you can get burgers, uh, quesadillas, chicken and waffles, chicken nuggets. You haven't lived till you've had chicken and waffles. Right. Uh, you can get shrimp, catfish, tilapia, salmon, fried okra. There you go, Jones. Um, oh, I love some okra. Okay. You can, you know, if you want to get a bottle menu, you can get Ace of Spades champagne for 650 a bottle that's 650 dollars not six dollars and 50 cents thank you for clarifying yeah you you can get jägermeister for 150 a bottle a fiji water is going to cost you six dollars bottle water is going to cost you four um you can get domestic beers bud 
Bud Light, Bud Lime, Michelob, Angry Orchard, Blue Moon, Spearnoff Lime, Sam Adams. Uh, I mean, you can get a bunch of stuff, and this like, looks like you can get this to go, obviously. Um, I mean, yeah, it looks like you can get all the drinks to go. Um, I don't know why you would go buy a bottle of their house champagne for a hundred dollars when you could go to the liquor store and pick one up for 10 bucks. Uh, but I guess if you roll big, then you can do those things. But Jones magic city. I next time well, the, be the first time I'm ever going to Atlanta. Um, I'm going to have to go here. I have to. And now I kind of sympathize with, uh, with Lou Williams here. The menu looks incredible. I mean, I let, I mean, I want to see what do these wings look like. Okay, honestly, Jones, I'm looking at them. Okay, maybe they're not bad. Okay, maybe they're not terrible. Okay, they look pretty good. Um, but you know it was just not for the wings. I guarantee you there's a place in Orlando that is just as good. Right. There's got to be. And if if anything, I'm sure they have chefs on deck in the bubble that probably could create whatever you want, honestly. Now, they, they said that the food was really bad at first when they arrived at the bubble. But I guess it's gotten better since then. Oh, I'm, I'm it would I think I mean it would have to. I mean it would essentially being in the bubble would be kind of like being on a cruise to to a normal person. Right. I, yeah. I would imagine. If Jones, would you go and cover? Would you leave everything behind and go cover in the bubble if they could? If they said, Jones, come on down here. Absolutely, no question. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I would even, I wouldn't even leave to go to Magic City. Now on the way down there, I would go to Magic City. <laughs> and then and you I don't. Would, I would, I would bring some back. I would bring some into the bubble. Yeah, and then you don't pass your coronavirus test, and you're out for ten days. I've been out for a long time, and I haven't even had Corona. So, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, right, right. That's uh, uh, did did get a, a negative test coming back from Vegas. Uh, so cleared there. I'm surprised they couldn't have done it in Vegas. Uh, you they know, looked the at doing it in stadium. Vegas. They looked at doing it in Vegas, but with Disney World and all that, it made the most sense to go to Orlando. They felt so. I guess yeah, they're owned by. All ESPN's owned by Disney, right? Right, right. Yeah, I guess that makes the most sense. Yeah, I want to. So Jones, there's a hard knocks for football. I hope they come out with like a a kind of a docu series on life inside the bubble. I want to see more. Well, that's honestly. the thing. Too, I'm not that big of a that, TV guy. That's the thing, Tom. Is that once the bubble's over with, this will never happen again. This is a very unique circumstance. Uh, I would love to see what's going on because we're not going to get to see this experience ever. No. It, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They have they have to have people on hand recording this. Well, there's cameras everywhere too. So. Right, right. I want like the insider detail. I want, but I don't want it right away either. I want to. I want to have some anticipation for it. Yeah, I, I want to like. I agree. You know, what I'm saying wait a little bit. Wait, give me like seven eight years at the time you know hopefully we're out of this by then and we go from the uh the last dance to the last mask the last mask i love it there we See, go there you go we could, maybe that's maybe we, 
we pitch our idea there and we go down there and I don't know, we don't have the camera equipment, I don't think, to shoot a docuseries, but maybe it'll all just be on a phone. Let's move on. A couple uh, more things before we get out of here today. Uh, let's get to our uh, college mascots fantasy draft. We've been doing these drafts the last few weeks. You've been loving them, folks. Uh, it's been fun to do. And so we will do another draft, this time the best college mascots. Thomas and I are each going to pick five different mascots. And uh, we're going to do a snake draft. So Tom will have the first pick, and then I'll pick twice, and then he'll pick twice, and vice versa, and on and on and on. So uh, we will go ahead and uh, get started. There's plenty to choose from. And, Tom, i got to say, uh, I'm not going to pick this guy, but when uh, when doing some research, uh, I came across uh, the – Listen to these two. Uh, Dartmouth, they have Keggy the Keg. And then uh, the University of Delta State has the Fighting Okra. How how scary is and, and intimidating is that, the Fighting Okra? I, I mean, I don't know why they would be the Okra. I mean... I mean, Okra's delicious. It is. Uh, I mean, it, I, don't, I don't see... I don't see the... I don't see the uh, you know anything behind it where I'm like, hmm, let me go be part of the fighting okra, right? Uh, I mean, you could, I mean, you could be anything else. You could be anything else. There's multiple different tigers. Uh, I mean, I don't, I forget how many if there are. If you're the opponent, aren't you just going to say we're going to fry you guys up? I mean, like, right? This exactly. is too easy. Um, all exactly. right, all right, Tom, go ahead. Who are you taking with the first overall pick in the uh, fantasy draft of mascots? Jones, I was wondering. This is one of my favorites, honestly. It always has been. I always want to go to a game here just to see it. And we this is uh, relates to something you know, we, kind of a topic we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm going. Florida State mascot, Chief Osceola. Chief Osceola, okay. Um, I, I'm a huge fan. Now, what I'll say, too, is to their credit, compared to the other mascots that have used you know, Native American mascots and everything, is uh, the fact that uh, they honor the Seminole Tribe, that they have an agreement with uh, the Seminole Tribe of Florida to uh, have, you know, to actually do things properly, to work with that tribe. So I give them credit there. I have respect for that. So Florida State, uh, that's a good pick, uh, the number one pick uh, as the first mascot off the board. Tom? And the, the horse he rises at Renegade? Yes, Renegade. Right. Um, right. I'm actually shocked this guy's available. Uh, he was going to be my number one pick, and I thought he was an easy pick, number one. i got to go Mike the Tiger out of LSU. I, I almost went Mike the Tiger. That was my That was my next one. Mike the Tiger, um, you know, what, what can I say about Mike, Mike the Tiger? He's a live tiger in Baton Rouge, which is arguably the best environment in all of college football in Death Valley. Um, it's incredible, Mike the Tiger. He, he is unbelievable. LSU's just coming off a national championship. Uh, that's an easy pick for me. i got to go Mike the Tiger there. Number two, my next choice, I'm going to go with uh, the West Virginia Mountaineer. And I've actually met the West Virginia Mountaineer. Um, That's my favorite picture of you. 
I remember when you first saw that and you just laughed so hard, like right away. That was right. Amazing. Um, they call him uh, Mountaineer is just his name. Uh, but he, he shows up with a gun and he's wearing that uh, that raccoon hat and everything, too. Uh, much respect to the uh, West Virginia Mountaineer. And then you got to think of the songs, too. LSU has uh, their song. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, what's it called? Uh, that, that's so good that they uh, they sing uh, that. <laughs> That's not appropriate for uh, for radio. Uh, that's uh, hey, uh, suck that, suck that tiger. tiger. You, you can finish. You get the idea. Yeah. Yes, that's so yeah. good. It <laughs> goes with Mike the Tiger. West Virginia, of course. You get uh, uh, "Country Roads Take Me Home" with John Denver. I mean, it just goes perfect with the West Virginia Mountaineer. So, uh, I will take West Virginia with uh, the second pick. So, I got Mike the Tiger. And uh, the West Virginia Mountaineer with my first two picks. Tom, your next two picks. Jones, uh, did you have you got the? I got the Seed Mike the Tiger actually, the one that had recently died. I did not. Uh, when I w- I went down there and saw, and they have quite the uh, quite the exhibit down there for him. I mean, he's he's living lavish. Uh, not gonna him. lie, you can you can look in there. It's kind of like a zoo exhibit, but it's 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 lavish. Nice. Uh, it's, it's, there's no, there, he's being treated better than probably a lot of the college students. There. That's good. Uh, right. Uh, I'm going to go, and this is obvious. It's got to be one. And I thought you, at first, I thought you were going to steal it from me. Uh, and, and I'm glad you didn't because that would have been quite ironic. I got to go Pistol Pete, Oklahoma State. Okay. You, you can have about, Pistol Pete. Pistol Pete's overrated. You, it, no, if you think about the history behind the mascot, Frank Eaton, okay, people killed his dad. He goes out, gets revenge, U.S. Marshal. I mean, he's just a, a, an overall badass, Frank Eaton is. I mean, Wild West, shoot him up. Uh, I mean, he's he is enforces it. I mean, he's it, he was the original, you know, badass honestly of the of back in the wild west days uh so i gotta go i gotta go pistol peak i have to uh it's it's only right it's only fair uh next pick this is where it gets this is this is where it gets a little different and i i didn't want to steal this one from you but i'm going to and i'm taking <laughs> the old demon deacon okay uh riding in on the motorcycle the wake forest yeah i mean that's badass I mean, he is. Uh, I mean, he's. I wish. I almost wish Wake Force was better. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Just so he could get more credit than he than he gets. I feel like that's not said enough. Right. Um. That's good. I like that. Uh. We never get to see him. He ha- They have to actually score touchdowns for him to get on the field, and so he never gets on the field because Wake Forest is usually pretty bad. Now here recently they weren't terrible. I feel like they weren't as bad, right? They're still not making headlines, but I I want to see more of them this season. If we don't get fans, I wonder if they still let the mascot. I mean, I, is that a thing too? If if this year college football doesn't happen, or the the mascots still have to be there? So uh, last year at the Big Twelve tournament, uh, when they were originally going to go with no fans. The cheerleaders and the band and the mascots were getting sent home. 
that is unfortunate. We need mascots <laughs> the same. We have to have it. We do. We do. Uh, all right. So now it's my turn. Picks three and four. Uh, Tom, I'm going to go with uh, Boomer and Sooner, uh, the Sooner Schooner. Uh, and let me be clear. It's the Sooner Schooner, not those those creepy horse mascots or Top Dog. Remember Top Dog at the OU basketball games? For yeah, years? that was bad. Yeah. We're not talking Top Dog here or the you know, creepy mascots in the costumes and everything. No, I'm talking the full-on schooner and everything. Like That's pretty cool. And, and they do get to run on the field a lot because OU puts up a lot of points. So I'll go with Boomer and Sooner at three and four, at uh, number three. Uh, my fourth pick, this is tough. I only have two spots remaining, and I have a wish list here. And uh, so with this next pick, Tom, I am going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with the Oregon Duck. Um, he looks just like uh, like Daffy Duck. Actually, he is Daffy Duck. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's pretty cool himself. This guy does push-ups after every touchdown – he got suspended because he beat up the Washington State Cougar a couple of years ago. I love the Oregon Duck, and Lee Corso loves the Oregon Duck too. Um, so I got to go with the Oregon Duck number four. Tom, your uh, fourth and fifth pick. See, this is where we get see the fourth and fifth. This is it's like a wish list too. Who do you who do you want to take? You know, it's, it's I got to go. If you're going to take a duck, I'll do. In, a, in the same way, I will go uh, with the Miami Hurricane mascot. The um, oh, he's something Ivis. Uh, help me out here. What's his name? Uh, the Miami Hurricane mascot is uh, uh, you know we're talking about Sebastian. Sebastian, yes. Sebastian, Sebastian the Ibis. Sebastian. I will take Sebastian the Ibis. Okay, I and like I, that. I guess I, I have to finish it out here, I guess. Yeah, your I? last pick. Last pick. Do you almost want to go classic, but you almost want to go off the beaten path, uh, you know, for the last one. Who, who, who do you take with the last one? I almost want to stay central here, but... The classic, I mean, you almost have to go with, I guess I'll go with uh, Albert and Alberta Gator. Gator. <laughs> now, I, you know, I'll, I'll switch that. I like, I'll go, this is between the two. I'm going Cocky the Gamecock in South Carolina. <laughs> okay, that's a better pick. I never thought Albert and Alberta I like, were in, I like those Gators. I will say I'm a fan of those. I never thought they uh, were intimidating. By any means, uh, no. They're like kind of fan. Yeah, I mean, guess like a Gator should be intimidating. Tell no. you what, Cocky the Gamecock's not either. I feel like Cocky the Gamecock has more added. Tell you what, let's go ahead. I'll give you Albert and Alberta for that sixth one, and I'll just go ahead and take two more. Well, because I have ones that I want to put up on this list um, that I didn't get to, and I wasn't going to draft Albert and uh, <laughs> Alberta. How long they've been married? I have no idea. Uh, doing their gator thing together, um, you know that that swamp land between those two. I, I want I would stay away from those two. You don't know what goes you on. Think there. so? <laughs> <laughs> um, I am going to go with for my fifth and now sixth picks. Uh, give me Ugga, the Georgia Bulldog. Um, Ugga is pretty cool. 
and he, he still looks pretty cute, too, at the same time. I really feel for Ugga when it's raining and George is losing. You can tell he has a bad day. Um, what about when, when Bevo about got after him? Oh, man. And, and Texas won that night, too. Uh, Bevo. It was a bad day all around. I, I think Bevo's okay, but at the end of the day, I mean, he's just a giant cow. Like, exactly. I look at that thing, I'm like, man, I just want to eat Bevo. I mean, that's some good steak and hamburgers right there. Right. Um. So my sixth pick. I'm going to go out of Division One from my final pick. I'm going to go with Gus, the Pitt State Gorilla. Okay, staying staying close to home there. Gus, the Pitt State Gorilla. This guy is unbelievable. Um, Pitt State has a great atmosphere, good football tradition. Uh, there's a story, according to Mike Leach, that uh, that Gus the Gorilla would throw banana peels on the field uh, at halftime. And would celebrate that way. I think that is, it's intimidating. It's got a fear factor to it, and it makes Pitt State unique. There's not a single gorilla in the state of Kansas, but you're for certain that uh, Pitt State certainly represents the gorillas. They're not controversial either. Uh, I'm a fan. So those are our squads. Uh, Tom goes with uh, the Florida State mascot, uh, Pistol Pete, uh, Demon the Deacon from Wake Forest. Uh, University of Miami's uh, Sebastian, Cocky Al from South Car- Carolina, and Albert and Alberta from Florida. I went with Mike the Tiger from LSU. Uh, I went with the West Virginia Mountaineer, Boomer and Sooner from OU, the Oregon Duck, Uga, and uh, Gus from Pitt State. Now, I thought about doing this to you, Tom, but I, I decided not to. Uh, I thought about as a counter of you drafting Pistol Pete from OSU, of taking Pistol Pete from New Mexico State, but I decided not to. You know who the cooler one is. Let's be <laughs> real. We both know. We both we both know who has the. What's your honorary? If you had to pick one, I would pick. Uh, uh, pick the. Um, oh, what is it? The. Uh, I can't even think of his name, and it's probably. I would go – my honorary would be Big Red from Western Kentucky. I was going going to go Goldie Gopher. <laughs> Goldie. I like Bucky Badger from Wisconsin, too. I like I like both of those. I, maybe maybe I'm just big and probably prisoner of the moment, <laughs> rowing the boat. I'm all about – I'm all about Minnesota right now. Now, uh, that's – I know that's that uh, big team. Brutus the Buckeye was Lee Corso's first love. But like Ohio State in the Big Ten, uh, Brutus the Buckeye is very overrated every year. It is, yeah, I'm not. I was going. He, he doesn't the list get it done in like, the playoff. Yeah. No, he, he comes up short. No, um, my favorite mode maybe of NCAA football, Tom, was the mascot mode when the mascots could play each other. Right, that was always that was <laughs> always the best. Uh, you could have you just had like a whole. A uh, whole lineup of uh, I remember playing all Pistol Pete's lined up on the line. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous, but it was also good ridiculous. <laughs> all Pistol Pete's playing against like uh, Sparty on the other side, right? Uh, that would be interesting, right? Oh gosh, that's good. Uh, so many good mascots out there. So there you have it. That's our list uh, for. This one that is uh, complete here on the Jones Report this week. If that wasn't foolish enough, uh, our final segment of the day, our Tom Fulgery Story of the Week. Tom, what do we got this time? 
Jones, uh, we foreshadowed it. There's a couple different articles I could choose. I'm just going with the top one here uh, on this. And it, we're going back to Orlando. And this comes from TotalProSports.com. Uh, this was actually yesterday. NBA players found work around Disney bubble rules by hiring hot massage therapists. Now, Jones, I've read enough into this, but I have not seen pictures of these massage therapists yet. But... Article goes, bubble or not bubble, NBA athletes are determined to hot. What? Okay, they didn't edit this. Are determined to hot a hot woman around them at some point. Uh, Players aren't allowed to have their wives and girlfriends visit the NBA bubble in Orlando, but they are allowed to have trainers and massage therapists. The Athletics' Marcus Thompson is reporting that players have used that as a workaround to get what they want, and he has been told that there are some pretty hot massage therapists in the bubble. It's from The Athletic. From what I was told, people are already working around it. You can't have family, but you can have a trainer or massage therapist. So what I've been told is there have been some pretty hot massage therapists come through. There's a couple trainers who, you know, they're a backdoor is what I'm saying. As it turns out, Stephen A. Smith was correct in his rant when the longtime TV personality started stated first take that NBA players might not be able to last three weeks, let alone three months, without some recreational activities. Do we really think the recreational activities that these guys are accustomed to are going to be compromised for three months? I mean, somebody's got to say it. You really think someone's going to be out there without their wives or their woman? The guys that are married without their wives, the guys that ain't married without their woman, you really, really think that they're honoring a bubble for three months? Jones, uh, I mean, he said what need to be said. Um, I mean, at that point, uh, do you do you let the ones without girlfriends or wives, you let the wives and girlfriends in, but you let the, the single ones pretty much... That would, do, do you run it like a, a freaking prostitute ring in there uh i mean that i mean essentially that's what it comes down to i mean how far is orlando from jupiter call robert Kraft. right gosh that's uh that's funny that uh it's it's not surprising by any means how many marriages are going to end uh because of the nba bubble uh that's a good question i mean i'm sure I mean, these players are in a different city every night. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think who it was. There and they was just someone spent, from around. They just spent four months at home, too. Right. So, I mean, they're out partying, having a good time, or doing, well, obviously, not maybe partying, partying within the bubble. Um, but at the same time, I mean, this happens. I mean, there are stories that, that girls hook up with these players and they sign, uh, you know, uh, non-disclosure agreements, and uh, I mean, there's got to be some NDAs floating around the bubble, just waiting to be signed. <laughs> right? Oh gosh, that is uh, that's good. I, I I find that hysterical that uh, things have gone this direction. And so, if you're hiring a personal massage therapist and you're looking for a little something, something. How do you go about that in the job interview? What, what, or is that just kind of expected? Like, what's the approach here? Right. What if you get one that doesn't do the extra, extra, and then they assume they're doing the extra, extra? I mean, I think that if you're a massage therapist with this coming out now, I, I think that, I mean, I bet there are people out there that 
kind of do massage therapy on the side. They're saying, hey, I could probably make some serious cash. <laughs> you know, uh, right. I mean, I mean, why not? I mean, you know, I mean, it was going to happen. I mean, yeah. but if the NBA doesn't let the wives and girlfriends in, which rightfully so, they don't want a whole bunch of people that don't need to be there. I'm mean, not saying the wives and girlfriends don't need to be there, but I mean, essentially, I mean, they're playing a game. You know, it's, it's they're essential, but they're non-essential, if that makes sense. I don't right. want to call anybody's wife or girlfriend non-essential. Because, uh, I mean, if you say, if you call them essential, then you're basically calling them a sex toy at that point in time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's just like, oh, well, we don't want our wives and girlfriends here. We, the only reason we want them here is so we can have sex with them. Uh, I mean, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> Am I right? That's what it's saying. Or I think what you put this for the NBA you're going to be like, well, do we let them, the girlfriends come in so that they can all have sex? Or do we let the massage therapist come in and run a prostitution ring inside the bubble? <laughs> I mean, it's a, a minor PR nightmare. What do you what do? you do? I mean, they're going to work around it. I mean, Lou Will probably got more than chicken wings at Magic City. <laughs> and then, uh, not to mention, when uh, you bring these massage therapists in, are they getting tested before they come in? How do you know they're not going to bring in the Rona, too? Right. Or anything else. I mean, who knows? Yeah, this is uh, this is wild, man. Right? I mean, I don't know. What else do you do? Uh, I mean, the bubble. the bu- See, this is the stuff I want in the docuseries. Do we I want know, all of it. I, Tom, do we know who's bringing in massage therapists? What players have requested for this yet? No, I, I will search for that. I don't think I don't think they have said any names. If Lou Williams I, hadn't thought of this already, he's going to do this now. Oh, you know he is. <laughs> you, you, oh, he's probably one of the ones getting a massage therapist in. J.R. Well, Smith? I can't get my magic suit. Oh, for sure. And he probably just told the uh, massage therapist to bring bring him a couple extra pairs of underwear. Right. Yeah, I I wonder, though, I mean, if you can, you can ship Amazon box, you can get everything you need in there, but at that point, the only thing that they're working around, it seems now, to get in is a legit, essentially a legit prostitute. Uh... And so, I mean, you know, you know what goes on. It's not, you know, they're not telling you right out of the bat. This is to be expected. And Stephen A. hit it right on the head. But how, for the NBA, what route do you go? Do you just kind of hush-hush it? Uh, I mean, what, how, do you, how do you approach that? That's a great question. Who do you think, who are some names that come to mind that you think might make this call and bring in a massage therapist? Hmm. Joel Embiid. Okay. I think maybe I would, I would expect him to do it. I mean, I guess there are teams that won't be there for very long. I think the the Kardashian, I think the Kardashian sisters all of a sudden are going to get their massage therapist licenses. I mean, maybe that's, I mean, who knows? Uh, I mean, who, I'm trying to think. Kim and, Lou Williams for sure made that call. Kim and Kanye's days are pretty rocky right now. Maybe she wants to get back into the NBA. 
Maybe see she I don't think she gets in the bubble without being without it being known. Right. Right? I, I don't think she gets in there without it being known that she's in there. Someone's gonna have to go undercover, but if you're wearing a mask the whole time, you put on a hat, the mask and sunglasses, you're good to go. Yeah. I mean I know I've seen people in the store I had a hat and mask on and I walked right past people I I met because I didn't want to um I didn't want to talk to anybody. Right. So I just, you know, it's a perfect, you don't want to talk to anybody, you throw a mask and a hat on and, and, and you're good to go. Now you're talking. That's the way to do it. So these, these, and we might not ever know. Now before this, we heard Robert Kraft and Jupiter and they had the cameras in there and they were trying to figure out, you know, if Robert Kraft came in or if you could see him on video, obviously we, we will never see that video. Uh, that video has been paid off and 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 gone away. Um, but I mean, I wonder what kind of insider video will be released. How much will TMZ pay for it? When do we get the goods, Jones? I mean, we can't get sports. I want all the drama. Right. Yes the uh, the real house men of the bubble. There we go. I I could happen. I like it. Uh, on that note, we got to run. Uh, big thanks to Cade McFarland for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Make sure to give him a follow. Also follow us as well at Tyler Jones Live at TJ Media Group. Thomas underscore Bridges. Instagram Tyler Jones Live. Thomas underscore Bridges. Jones underscore Report. Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live. Tyler Jones Media Group. Uh, leave us five star review. Don't leave us one at all uh, on the uh, Spotify. SoundCloud, Apple, Google Play, you name it, we are there. And uh, we appreciate you all hanging out with us here on this edition of the Jones Report, and we will see you next week. For Cade McFarland and Thomas Bridges, I'm Tyler Jones, saying so long. Have a great day, everybody. The Jones Report. F- yeah.